following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fan, Dylan Stone, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the Cannonball, Alex Steele. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, yo. What's up, everybody? Oh, uh, we are, uh, man, we, we have, <laughs> it has been a hell of a day already. Mm. It's currently 10.05 in the morning on the Saturday of Wild Card Weekend. We're sitting here, uh, and, and for those of you, so... Everybody knows we're we're a couple of uh, uh, Michigan guys. You, Alex, you live all the way up north, Traverse City, so you got the snowstorm from hell going on. Well, down here in Metro Detroit, we've got a blizzard going on. It's insane. Is it because the Lions made it to the playoffs and won the yeah. NFC North? That's hell <laughs> freezing over. That's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But but at the end of the day, man, we've got um, we, the snowstorm is happening. We had to uproot the studio. Because we lost power and yeah, we yeah. are currently down at Casa di Zarni. So, so we're, we're down there uh, recording the podcast. If you hear the swirling winds in the background, it has become it, just an insane blizzard of ice and snow here. But we are, <sighs> we're dedicated around here. We're dedicated. Absolutely. We are going to get this show out no matter what, Jack. Yeah, that's what it was. It's wild card weekend. It's an important weekend. It's, it's mm-hmm. the, the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Yep, it's playoff weekend. So, um, yeah, it's it's been uh, pretty interesting. Not joining us today is the bootleg better. Uh, he is. Uh, um, he got some stuff going on. He has some concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got he's got some family stuff going on. But he did send this um, from the bootleg better. He says, how do you keep an idiot in suspense? Tell me later. (laughs) (laughs) He's with us in spirit, my brothers. (laughs) So so the bootleg better won't be joining us, but he is going to be interested in. So next week we we are going to be going over our rookie rankings, but we Mm -hmm. have final rookie rankings, but they're not final and they won't be final until next week. And, and mm-hmm. that's because, Alex, I am commissioning you as it currently stands. Alex is the final vote for our rookie of the year. It's currently tied. One vote. I, I, am, I, am vo- I have a vote on one guy for myself. Boots is betting on another guy. And we are sitting here. Alex Steele possesses <laughs> the final vote, the deciding vote for our rookie of the year ranking. So yeah, that tremendous responsibility uh, it, that carries a lot of power. So, uh, th- so I will be giving my reasons uh, wh- why I should vote for either gentleman. Both are very well, ver- very worthy of the title rookie of the year. Uh, that's coming in a little bit later on this show. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we're, we're going to be talking about that, but the final decision won't be made until next week when, both Boots and myself are sitting here live and on the show. And, and, and I'm going to drop the bombshell live on the air. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So I, I wanted it, it, it. We really wanted Boots in the in the room, too, because he, you know, he's been pounding the table for, for one C.J. Stroud. I've been pounding the table for Puka Nakua. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, it, both rookies have been absolutely outstanding this year. Yeah, I, I am with you. They, they both are, are very deserving of the title. Um, the, and, and there can be arguments for, for a few other guys on this list that, that they could be, uh, worthy of that, that title of rookie of the year. But, um, as it currently stands, we got some business to jump into here. Um, as far as the, the week 18 scores and how everything's going to shake out with, uh, I'm still digesting that brisket from last week. Yes, sir. (laughs) Some brisket week 18 was, was an adventure uh, last Mm. because, you know, we, we saw several teams in particular, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they, they had the wheels come off at the very, very last second at the 11th hour, um, just, just fell apart. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, the, the Jags, I feel like every year they're, they're one of those teams that is coming down to the wire, you know, mm-hmm. they're down to week 17, week 18 to clinch their playoff spot. It really comes down to the wire for them. And this year was no different. It, it did come down to the wire. Uh, you know, we, we saw the Eagles right now. They've, they've been the losers of five of their last six, and which is not good going into the playoffs. Um, we've been seeing the wheels come off for them a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we see the, you know, teams, certain teams, it comes down to the wire for them too, like the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And the Steelers, you know, they were, they were the benefactors of, of uh, circumstance. You know, they make their way into the playoffs, you know, with, with a, a defeat over a lot of backups with the Baltimore Ravens. So um, we're going to be jumping into these scores here, Alex, because they they definitely uh, need to be addressed. We had and we actually had a a really good game for the Sunday night game. Unfortunately, it didn't really mean a lot. You know, it it was it was a title game, but at the end of the day, like both teams were in the playoffs after, since the Jags lost. So it, it makes it interesting. So we're going to jump in right here, Alex. You ready for it? Let's do it. All right, here's your scores from week 18 in the NFL, starting out with the Steelers and the Ravens. The Steelers get the W 17 to 10. Look, I, this game, I I expected the Steelers to win. The Ravens mm. bet all their starters. Lamar is not on the field. They did have a few starters in there. Gus Edwards, for example, got a few reps. He got 10 carries for 48 yards. But ultimately, this was just the Ravens saying, hey, you know what? We're in. We got the let's, one. Seed. We got the one seed. We're sitting at home. We got a break next week. We're, let's just focus on the playoffs. Exactly. You know, and, and, and <laughs> there are some other teams in this league. Spoiler alert: that could have done well to heed that advice. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I, I'm looking at the the Ravens here. They didn't put in a whole lot of starters. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there are some in there. We, we do see, you know, Patrick Queen was out there. Marcus Williams was out there. Jadavion Clowney. They they still got some good reps for, for a few of their key players that needed them. And they got, some, they got some critical bonuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there were a few guys, you know, Nelson Aguilar got five catches for 39 yards. He's basically like their number four receiver. Isaiah Likely, um, they got him a couple of reps. Uh, uh, you know, but they ultimately, at the end of the day, they really took it easy as far as their starters go. Tyler Huntley started at quarterback, and the Steelers wound up taking advantage of it. And because of this, the Steelers make their way into the playoffs. It was a win-in mm-hmm. situation, and they wind up in the playoffs uh, after that game on Saturday night. And and they they ended the season ten and seven. Mike Tomlin, I you know, mm-hmm. say what you will about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and say what you will about about you know, we're not completely sold on them. But let's face facts. Mike Tomlin needs to be in the discussion for Coach of the Year. You took a bad team and made them ten and seven. I yeah, mean, absolutely. 
listen, he's been a very consistent coach, you know, over the past decade or so. You know, he's always been there on the sidelines. You know, I've basically known two Steelers coaches my entire life, Hall of Famer Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and, and Tomlin, I, I think to his credit, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's ever had a losing season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So mm, I, it, I would have to do some research, but I mean, yeah, it, it, I would not be surprised to find that out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's ever had a losing season. I think the closest he's been is like a 500 year, but mm. he's never had a losing season, if I'm not mistaken. And and he deserves to, all the credit in the world, you know. Even even with the steel, the the Ravens benching, you know, their starters because if the Ravens yeah. Lamar in, this is a, a, a killing, right? This is this is a. A sacrifice. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if they if they decide to put Lamar in, uh, the Steelers are getting buried. Yeah, it's it's a uh, that's a sacrifice to the football gods there. But at the same time, I think the Ravens understood and realized, you know, hey, if we let the Steelers win this game, if we put in our backups and the Steelers get the W, they get into the playoffs. I mean, think about it. If you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're the one seed. And let's say from some weird hypothetical standpoint, some happenstance, the Steelers happen to win their first round game. The Ravens get the Steelers and they're going to trounce the Steelers. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I look over and and granted, the Steelers beat them early, beat the Ravens earlier this year, you know, but since then, the Ravens have been an unstoppable force. and, And here we are. I think this is a smart play by the Ravens. Steelers get in the playoffs. They make the seven seed, and guess what? We're 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 going to have some fun here. I think the mm-hmm. the Ravens the Ravens are very strategic in the way they handle their business, and this was no different. Yeah, they, John Harbaugh is a very uh, wily coach, as we've as we've said on this show before. Very wily, very smart. Yeah, there's there's some savvy about him, and and that's that was beautiful. And to the credit, let let's give some credit where credits due. He hasn't put on world-beating performances, but Mason Rudolph has been the hot hand for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, and, and kudos to Mike, Mike Tomlin for recognizing that uh, uh, at, at the last three games, Mason Rudolph's been good. I mean, he's 18 for 21, 52 and a touchdown in this one. Najee Harris has been the hot hand, too, at the running back position. Look, Jalen Warren is starting to come off like more of a change of pace back. I thought he was the more explosive of the two early in the season. But with the change of the offensive coordinator and, and things going on over there, I mean, Najee has looked a lot better, and this is a good opportunity for him to look good going into a playoff push. So the Steelers, hey, they make the playoffs. They get it done. They, they get it done. The more exciting game from the Saturday night game. And game of the week. This was game of the week right here. The, the Houston Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts 23-19. Houston, because of the Jacksonville Jaguar loss, spoiler alert, the, the – mm-hmm. Because of the loss, the Houston Texans are officially AFC South champions. Yeah, who, yeah, that is that is huge. I yeah. mean, that is, that is absolutely tremendous for a team that just last year was right in the was at the bottom of the barrel, the number two pick overall, and now they're the AFC South champions, and they're hosting a playoff game. Yeah. Hats off to D'Amico Ryan's, C.J. Stroud, and Nico Collins, and this crew. Uh, for basically, it's 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 a one year turnaround. We've talked about this before, but it's it's so amazing to see. Yeah, and and you know, Boots, you know, he he sent a few notes in regards to these games. He said, you know, the Texans winning on the last second field goal on a drive led by C.J. Stroud when they need it. 
Um, mm-hmm. He says, I don't see Stroud lighting it up, but when it counts, he'll make the play. And he's damn right. I mean, C.J. Stroud yes. is really, really spectacular this year. Um, the, the numbers for Stroud have been good. He's been accurate. He doesn't make uh, a lot of mistakes. He doesn't make a lot of turnovers. And in this game, I mean, no turnovers. 20 for 26, 264, two touchdowns. That's exactly what you need. He's accurate. He, he doesn't make mistakes very often. Um, he, he's never ever going to have a situation where he shipwrecks your season. And he made Gardner Minshew look, look non-existent. 13 for 24, 141. The big story mm. for the Colts in this game was, hey, they got their ball to their playmaker, Jonathan Taylor. And, and Jonathan mm. Best of it, 30 carries for 188 yards and a touchdown. You know, it, it, this is you know, <laughs> we we have to talk about the elephant in the room here. Okay, it is fourth and one. You're banging on the doorstep, and this is the this is to get your team to the playoffs. What is this? What do these boneheads do? They decide to toss it out to a guy by the name of Tyler Goodson. Who? And he drops the ball. Tyler Goodson, uh, uh, third string running back. Uh, they they kind of lobbed it out to him, and and it was a bad throw by Minshew. He threw it be you know way behind him. Goodson turns around. I, I'm over here just like, well, why don't you just run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, who's been tearing up the Texans all game long? And or they, if, if if you're going to use him as a decoy, hard play action, and get it to Michael Pittman or or Josh touchdowns. You know, I mean, touch the touchdowns had 48 yards and three catches, you know, do something like that. Yeah, they they had all the opportunity in the world to win this football game, all the opportunity and they didn't do it. Uh, They needed a touchdown to to take the take the lead and and win that game. And when you needed it, one one play basically took the Colts from, oh, the Shane Shane Strickland is a good coach. And, you know, he took this team from the door. He made what? He did what? <laughs> it's amazing how how one play can change the outcome and change the the perception of an NFL head coach. Yeah, and I still think Shane Steichen has, has been a really good head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Definitely an upgrade to Frank Reich. But if you look at um, that play, you know that it's like you said. Sometimes the the one play will define you, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. People don't forget those types of things. Why are you throwing the ball to Tyler Goodson on a fourth and one? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, the, the Texans, man, I, I love everything that they did. And also, let's also talk about and give credit where credit's due. Nico Collins had the yep. game of life in this game. <laughs> yes, he did. A touchdown. Like, that, that's enormous. That's a huge that's- game. And there were some plays he was making where C.J. Stroud was just throwing the ball up there. And Collins, came, I mean, at one point Stroud was looked like he was throwing one away, and Collins came all the way back and made this diving catch for a first down, a critical first down. I mean, it was like yeah. a, it was the circus again when you need it. Right. And let's not forget the very first play from Texan scrimmage. I mean, yeah. C.J. Stroud sits in the pocket. He steps up. He rifles the ball off and Nico Collins goes one-on-one and just catches the ball and trots into the end zone. It, that's a, that is an NFL level play. You know, we've we've always talked about how CJ Stroud is kind of shades of Brett Favre. That was one of those throws. Yeah. And, and that's what it came down to. I mean, it was a beauty and, and CJ Stroud looked like uh, um, he just looked like a season. Every time I see him, he looks better and better. And, and it's hard to, it, 
it's one of those things that well like I have difficulty saying because he he has always looked good. You know, like he's never looked bad. There's never been like like I think there's there were three games this year where he legitimately looked like eh, he needed some work there. And and one of them was the Jets game where I mean he, he got his head bounced off the ground. But I mean mm-hmm. it, ultimately this year CJ Stroud has been a, a revelation for this team. He has been mm-hmm. fun to watch. Uh, and and he just looks like a seasoned veteran out there, not a rookie. Mm-hmm. It's great to see. I gotta love it. And and that's why he's been sitting around in our rookie rankings over and over again. And you know, had he not missed time with that concussion, because uh, he he did miss basically two and a half games. You know, I don't have any doubt that he would be sitting at number one on our rookie rankings. Uh, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't be we wouldn't be needing a vote if he didn't miss time. That's the that's the big thing that's hampering him right now. Yeah, exactly. So the Texans, they go get it done. They win the they're the AFC South. The Texans are the four seed. They make their way into the playoffs. Who'd have thunk it after being the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, the second <laughs> team in the league, and now here they are, AFC South champions. Just one year later, to me, D'Amico Ryan's is the guy that he gets my vote for Coach of the Year. I, I think hard same. Um, and and I, I I don't think it's even a debate at this point. Uh, next up, because of, of this game, the Texans wound up being the AFC South champions. They won, and they made the playoffs by beating the Colts, but then they won the AFC South title because the Titans went out and beat the Jags 28-20. to The Titans... Yeah. Exactly. Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of the Jacksonville Jaguars choking their season away. I had a feeling about this game saying, you know what? It's down the stretch. It's not cotton time. The Jacks, the Jaguars need it. The Titans don't. Therefore, the Titans are going to figure out a way to win this game. And to his credit, King Henry has himself a King Henry game. 19 carries, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Ryan Tannehill was decent, 17-26, 168, two touchdowns and a pick. You know, and DeAndre Hopkins had seven catches for 46 yards. Now, if this was a game like at the beginning of the season, we would be sitting here going, well, I guess the Titans are going to start running the table again. But the Titans were the Titans this year. You know, yeah. sw- swapping quarterbacks and and uh, all that all that mess. You know, what say you? Yeah, the Titans they they fell apart. Uh, I mean, kind of early in this in this season, they they wind up finishing the year six and eleven. This is one of those games where they. I mean, we we've seen this before out of the Titans, where they play spoiler for somebody and and they just beat the hell out of somebody that they shouldn't be beating. Really, uh, there's no reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars should have lost this game. No reason. No, no and, reason and- at all. They played poorly. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he, he actually had a decent game. He was 29 for 43, 282 touchdowns, two picks. He he had a decent game, but, you know, he threw those two ugly passes for picks. Calvin Ridley finally comes alive and looks like Calvin Ridley again. And then, you know, it's it, it was good to see that. But, you know, they couldn't get Travis Etienne going on the ground. And and the defense for the, the Titans, they, they really kept the Jags at bay. The, the Jags struggled mm-hmm. in that situation so i mean we're, we're gonna be uh um and oh man some breaking news just hit oh boy yeah we'll be talking about that in a minute but uh you know calvin ridley had himself a good game and evan ingram had himself a good game and he deserves uh um you know all, evan ingram has deserved all the credit in the world for his career turnaround over here with jackson ever since the debacle he had with the new york giants 
I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, he had 10 receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, it, Trevor Lawrence and company, they had every reason to win this football game. Every, mm-hmm. And and I will, I'll probably argue that the main reason they lost this game was because of their defense. How do you give up? I mean, you, all you had to do, it's easy to stop Ryan Tannehill. Yes. It's easy to, to stop him. How do you allow Derrick Henry to go 19 for 153 in a touchdown? And I understand he's kind of outworldly, okay? He's, he's, he's not just your typical running back. But how do you allow that to happen when you know it's coming? You're, mm-hmm. you're sitting there. It's like, it's like knowing that you're going to get punched in the face and then not blocking it. You know, and that's basically what they did. They, they were about to get punched in the face and they didn't block it. They, they, Derrick Henry lowered the shoulder and lowered the boom on them. And, and here's here's another player that uh, that really uh, you know caught my eye. Tajay Spears. You know, he had three carries for 25 yards and three catches for 41 yards and two touchdowns. So Tajay Spears, you know, if Derrick Henry skips town, you might be seeing the number one running back, whether he's a change of pace or bell cow remains to be seen. But I, I took a look at that. I'm like, hey, Titans might have something in Tajay Spears. And all indicators are saying that Tajay Spears is is probably going to be the guy after this season. Uh, everything sounds as though uh, Derrick Henry is going to wind up testing the free agency market, and and that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, and, you know, Derrick Henry. I mean, from from all indicators after this game, it just really seemed like he was, you know, saying goodbye to the fans and saying mm-hmm. goodbye to the stadium and all thanks for everything and all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. I really do think you're going to see Derrick Henry test the free agency market, and there's quite landing spots for him that I could see him just going, hey, this is the place to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Tajay Spears, he's a good player, and he's been good for the Titans this year. I don't know how well he's going to perform as a, uh, uh, in every down back. Uh, he does have a nice average in this game, and, and there were a few big plays from him. He's a lot more speedy than Henry, and Henry is more of a, a power back, whereas mm-hmm. Tajay is a, a speed back so we're going to see some interesting stuff as far as that goes but um you know derrick henry is, is probably long gone and and deandre hopkins if i'm not mistaken i i think i'd have to check his contract i think he was just on a one-year deal too and and the titans are going to wind up cleaning house and they already got started that's a spoiler alert we'll be talking about that soon but uh, the Titans go out and they eliminate the Jags. Both these teams did a little house cleaning this week. We'll be talking about that. Uh, next up, the Lions go out and beat the Vikings 30-20. to You know, this was expected. Uh, the Vikings come out, you know, with a lot of starters missing. Nick Mullins basically has the same goddamn game that he had the first time around. Yeah. 396, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, Ty Chandler, 12 carries for 69 yards. Justin Jefferson, man, 12 receptions, 192 yards and a touchdown. He he, he breaks uh, uh, 1,000 yards this year in spite of the fact that he missed seven games. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's something. Truly, truly proving once again why he's one of the top, if not the top receiver in football. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the fact that the, the Lions secondary is trash doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt Justin either. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the other side, Jared Goff plays mistake-free football, 23 for 32, 322 touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown does his thing, seven receptions, 140 for a touchdown. Montgomery and Gibbs both get into the end zone as well. David Montgomery gets 40 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries. Gibbs struggled to move the football a little bit here. 13 carries, mm-hmm. 30, he had a 2.3 average. 
Uh, he did get in the end zone, but man, uh, only mm-hmm. a few, this is the second week in a row, his average has has uh, been a little subpar. So uh, a <laughs> little, little interesting. But the big thing about this game, and, and I knew you were pissed. I know a lot of other Alliance fans were pissed. Sam Florida gets hurt in this game. Uh, and, and it yeah. makes you wonder, you know, you're not going to lose that three seed. You know, nope. the, the Lions were locked in. And it, it made me wonder why they were they were um, running this out on the field. It really, it just seemed like a lot of humans in this situation. I, I don't understand the logic of, of mm-hmm. you know, wanting to try out. I mean, I, I if it was me, Amon mm-hmm. Brown would have been, wouldn't have been on the field. Sam Laporta would not have been on the field. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery would not have been on the field. Uh, Jared Goff would not have been on the field. There's a lot of guys on this uh, that I'm looking at that right here that wouldn't have been on the field. I wouldn't have had Jack Campbell or Cam Sutton out there. I wouldn't have had Kirk Joseph out there. Well, and, and here's and here's the, here's the thing too. When when that play first happened, where you know Sam Laporta's leg basically bent the wrong way, we sat there. The the first the three letters that popped in my head were A C L. Now, thank goodness that the that the report came back that it was only a hyperextended leg. And even better news that Sam Laporta is questionable to play against the Rams this Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But here's the deal, Dan. You know, we talked all year about how Dan Campbell is an emotional support coach. And this is yet another chalk to that theory. He's playing with emotion. He's he's shirtless with a head bandana on. He's Rambo saying we're playing with controlled fury and you know high octane, pure octane. Listen, dummy, you're in the playoffs. You're hosting a playoff game for the first time since 1993. Can you look to the future and understand? Okay, we want to make a run to the Super Bowl. We need our guys healthy, and. You know, the, the fact that only Sam Laporta was the major casualty here is, you know, a miracle in itself. And the fact that also it's a hyperextended knee as opposed to an ACL tear. I mean, the Lions are getting lucky. But, Dan, at, at some point, the luck is going to run out. And it's going to run out at the wrong time. And, you know, at this, and it's just like you're playing with too much emotion. At some point, you have to take a backseat and go... What's the best option for the long term? What's big picture here? Because again, what does every fan of Detroit want? <laughs> well, okay, if if it's the typical Detroit fan, oh, just give me ten six, give me a ten six week, a ten six season and a playoff win. We want a Super Bowl. Real Lions fans and real football fans want a Super Bowl. And listen, you're the fourth highest spending team in cap space. You know, you go all out and get these free agents and you draft the way that you draft. And we're sitting here going, the line and people were talking about how this team is a potential Super Bowl team, you know, so that's what you want, you know. So it's really like, again, Dan Campbell's playing with emotion. On the one hand, it's a boon for the Lions because the Lions want to play for this man. You know, the culture is great. I mean, fine, great, yippee But, you know, what have we said about the Philadelphia Eagles? They're a talent acquisition team, never mind the fact that they fell apart. But it's like you have to find that healthy balance. And I think they're too much on emotion and culture. And, you know, they're letting some talent slip through their fingers. 
Yeah, I, I think so. As far as Dan Campbell goes, I agree with you that that I, I think it was a lot of hubris in this in this situation. I think he was a little too hyped up after that Dallas loss, and and you know realistically, you know the team, you didn't need to put all these guys out there. He just wanted to go out and this is this is Dan Campbell stuff, right? Where he wants to go out and rally the troops, and you know I'm gonna we're gonna run through a wall and da 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 da, da and he gets all excited, but he does something uh, um, makes this poor emotionally charged decision to go out and trot starters out there in a game that doesn't matter and he yep. ended up getting one of his key guys hurt really the only thing they really had to play for was the two seed and the Cowboys slammed the door shut on that opportunity more on that later yeah and and that's really what it was and I think everybody kind of knew that was coming you know I was taking on the commanders I mean it wasn't even a question my my point is is a you know this is this is what Dan Campbell does and and you know, we, we always hear Campbell going to gamble. Well, this is one of those stupid gambles that you shouldn't have taken in the first place. And the, the risk outweighed the reward. Yeah, it, it was it was a waste of time. And, and you I, this is the type of thing where, like, when you get into the playoffs and you get to nut cutting time and you get over here, if you run into the San Francisco 49ers by some off chance, hell, if you run into the Dallas Cowboys, who are still playing good football. You know, mm-hmm. I understand that that game was tight earlier on in the year. But it doesn't change the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are probably one of the most dangerous teams in this playoff this year. Especially at home. Yep, and you're going to have to play them at home. And, and in this situation, you know, I, I look over and I go, mm, you know. And here, I, here's here's another thing to, to, to chew on, and then we'll move on to the next game. Sam Laporta and Khalif Raymond together have accounted for more than 30% of all of Detroit's first downs. And who does Jared Goff go to more than anybody when it's nut cutting time and you need it? Sam Laporta. He's gotten into the end zone. He's gotten major first downs to ice games. So, you know, you need that guy on the field. You know, and to have and have him questionable during before one of the biggest games of your young coaching career, huh, you're gonna, people are going to be looking at that. Yeah, people are going to be looking at it, and and the more I see of Dan Campbell, the more I realize that that the chances of him getting uh, beyond the next three years of that deal, that long term deal that he got, I have questions. He, he'll he's safe for this year. He, he'll be he'll be back in 2024. He'll be back in September. He'll be back in August this year. That's no question. But I, you know, you really need you really need to push for a Super Bowl if you really want to keep your chair cold. Yeah. Well, and and this is my thing is and is, make better decisions. I've been talking about this for a while. Ben Johnson goes out the door, mm. and pretty soon here, I, I, you know, and, and somebody's going to overpay. Somebody's going to overpay for that guy. I don't give a shit what his asking price is. Somebody's going to overpay for Ben Johnson. And and when he goes out the door, right, mm-hmm. and Dan Campbell sitting over here without, you know, he's going he's gonna to be like old mother Hubbard with nobody in the cupboard. And he's not going to have uh, uh, that that cushion to, to fall back on. Ben Johnson's mm-hmm. going to leave. And, and these these decisions by, by uh, Dan Campbell, these these punts in, or these fake punts at your own 20 yard line and silly shit like that. eventually it's going to start biting him and eventually mm-hmm. it's going to get really fucking ugly and fans are going to go what the hell is this guy doing he's going to get exposed at some point it's just a matter of when yeah and- it's like it's the curtain's going to be pulled back and the wizard's there just turning the knobs and shit you know exactly I, I'm waiting for it 
So the Lions, they go out and they finish their season with a 10-point victory over the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings go home. You know, as for the Vikings, you know, this upcoming year, they've got some stuff they got to work out. You know, obviously, they got to get Justin Jefferson signed to a long-term deal this year. That is the most important thing mm-hmm. on the uh, They're also, in, you know, talking about the possibility of bringing back Kirk Cousins. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Uh, Vikings have some stuff they got to do, and they got to fix some stuff, that, and a lot of it is going to be fixed with the NFL draft if they're, if they're capable of, of drafting the proper players to fill uh, a lot of um, the holes on this team because there's a lot of guys that are either they got expiring contracts. Daniel Hunter, his contract expires this year. So they got questions, and uh, they got to come up with some answers. So the Vikings, you know, they go home. They, and to their credit, let, let me just be clear, to their credit, mm-hmm. with Kirk Cousins, 7-10. Uh, and 10. You know, and and that's without Kirk Cousins on the yeah. field. Who's your star quarterback, and and who is having one of the best careers he best seasons of his career? And, and keep in mind too, this is a team that started like what zero and four. Yeah, yeah, started and they, and they end up and they end up uh, having a winning season Mm-mm. without Kirk Cousins. Well, they didn't have a winning season, but you know, okay. they, well, they came firing back here. And and they went they went on a five game win, win streak with Kirk Cousins at the helm, got themselves a winning record. They won the next what was the next two with Josh Dobbs. I mean, like it was it was an interesting situation for a while there, and then the wheels came off and whatever else. And it was expected. This team had a lot of injuries. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be coming back healthy next year. Vikings have some questions uh, uh, moving forward. We we've got a and and. Quasi Adapo Mensa is going to have to make good on a lot of this this competitive rebuild stuff because if he doesn't, then then his ass is going to be out the door and he's not going to have a, a you know a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. You know, I mean mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, Minnesota Vikings fans will run his ass out of town, uh, myself included. So yeah, <laughs> you've been calling for it for years now. <laughs> yeah, for the last couple of seasons, I haven't been sold on a lot of the things that Quasi Adapo Mensa has been doing. Um, Lewis seen anybody? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Lewis seen has has played, I think, in one game this year. So and he got one tackle. Good job. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> next up, the Saints go out and beat the Falcons, forty-eight seventeen. Um, there's a few things going on here. First and foremost, the the Falcons they go out and lose this game. They lose they their playoff their opportunity at the playoffs. Um, they really lost their opportunity at the playoffs when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. We'll talk about that in a second, but. The Falcons go out and and, uh, lose to the Saints here. The Saints, I mean, dominated this game from the rip. Derek Carr goes 22 for 28, 264, four touchdowns. The Saints, in order to make the playoffs, they would have had to win the division. And in order to win that division, they had to win and the Bucs had to lose. But even if the Saints won here and the Bucs won, it was a wash. The Bucs were the NFC South champions. And that's exactly what went on. Saints get the W here, but it was all for naught. Uh, and Kendra Miller has 13 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. That's exactly what we've been waiting for. A lot of people have been talking about Kendra Miller. You didn't get to see a whole lot of Alvin Kamara here. Um, and mm-hmm. Kendra Miller comes out and, and does a um, does a great job. So, I mean, uh, uh, you know, good good for him. Uh, Rashid Shahid, uh, Rashid Shahid, there we go. He had three receptions. Mm-hmm. 65 yards and a touchdown. Bijan Robinson, he looked damn good in this game, but primarily through the air. He had seven receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. Who'd have thunk? Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? Desmond Ritter, 22 for 30, 291, two touchdowns and a pick. 
that was probably the best stat line we've seen out of Desmond Ritter, but I think that's all we need to see of Desmond Ritter. I mean, I, yeah, sold on Ritter. The, he's not the answer down there. No. And, you know, Atlanta's sitting in a pretty decent spot. I don't think they're going to get any of the pick of the litter for the quarterback draft. But, I mean, if you've got a decent quarterback out there that's on the board when you come up, go snag him. Yeah, Atlanta's going to have to make a move on a quarterback. It just depends which one is available. I think they should make a move on one in the first round. But people need to realize just how dangerous this Atlanta Falcons team truly can be. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not forget, they have Kyle Pitts. I think they have him for one more year. Mm-hmm. You. They, they do have uh, uh, Drake London over there who, while he hasn't been a world beater, he's been a decent enough receiver and he's shown flashes of, of really, you know, high level play. So, you know, you want to see what you can get out of Drake London. And if you get a true strong quarterback over there that can throw the ball effectively, we might be having a different conversation about the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're about a quarterback away from being good. Their offensive yeah. line is good. Their defense has been quietly good this year. And, and I just don't think anybody was ever truly afraid of that quarterback room. You got a, a, a quarterback room full of backups in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I, th- I think here's I have to make another comment here. Uh, the Falcons are also a good head coach away from uh, being a dangerous team. And uh, I'm going to throw this out there. First of all, Arthur Smith gets the boot. You know, I mean, we'll talk more a little bit about it, but I mean, he gets the boot. Walks and then, you know, apparently the Saints apparently faked a knee and then ran uh, and then ran Jamal Williams in for a touchdown at the end of the game. The, the big thing about that is is that uh, so my understanding is uh, head coach Dennis Allen from the Saints he wanted the team to take a knee um, and Jamal Williams hadn't got a touchdown all year. Jameis Winston said oh yeah well you know fuck that we're going to go ahead and, and run the ball. So they fake taking the knee for to, to end the game, and they run Jamal Williams up the middle for a touchdown. Jamal Williams gets his TD. Uh, Which, can they, I say something real quick? This is a man that last year was featured prominently on Hard Knocks, gave a very passionate speech with the Detroit Lions, and what does he do the next year? Signs for more money with the New Orleans Saints, and this is the only touchdown he gets? Well, let's be clear. You, you know, sometimes these running backs and, and these players, they chase the money and, and they come off this huge season. And we've seen this a lot before. We, we got to see this. I mean, I, and I'm always I always point this guy out because he's one of my one of my the saddest stories in football that I've ever been a part of or, or seen is Alfred Morris. Yeah. Alfred Morris had had several years with the, the Washington Redskins at the time. Uh, now the Washington Commanders. But he was with them and. and he had a sixteen yards, a sixteen hundred yard season, and and he led the league in rushing one year. Then people forget all about Alfred Morris, and then Alfred Morris chased the money all the way to Dallas, where he was placed as a number four running back on their depth chart. It, it's one of those things where sometimes I don't think these guys think about they, they chase that money, which is good, but then they don't think about what is actually good for their career. You go and you chase the money to New Orleans, but wait a minute, Alvin Kamara is still there. Yep. You you just like uh, uh you know James Robinson, you chase the money to the New York Giants, but the Sa- Jets, but still, Saquon Barkley's there. Exactly. So the, these guys they chase the money to after having these breakout seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And they they go out and and they they uh they blow up. 
and then they chase the money to a place that isn't going to be beneficial to them in any way, shape, or form. And this is a primary example of that. If, if it was, and, and I was I was sitting here in, in uh, uh, Jamal Williams' situation, I could be going somewhere that needed a number one running back, right? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I, I just, it's silly that some of these guys do these things and they just don't think. And that's exactly what this is. They just didn't think. Jamal right. Williams didn't think about where he was going or what he was doing. If I was Jamal Williams, I would have gone to the Houston Texans and, and I would have lit the world on fire because I guarantee you, and, and Devin Singletary, to his credit, had a very good year uh, for, the, for the Houston Texans. He wound up taking the job from Damian Pierce. But if I was Jamal Williams, I would have been going to the Houston Texans and saying, I'm going to take that job. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't do anything like that. I'd been going to the, the the Chargers. I know Austin Eckler's over there, but man, maybe maybe having that one-two punch with him and Eckler would have been a really good thing, especially because Eckler did get hurt at one point this year and did miss time. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, are questions. You know, you, you go to the Raiders. Jo- I, I get Josh Jacobs is over there, but if you mean to tell tell me that Jamal Williams wouldn't have started over Zamir White in some of those situations where Josh Jacobs was hurt, hurt I, Jamal Williams would have started. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I just look at it and go, mm, you know, uh, how about how about Jamal Williams goes to the Minnesota Vikings, sign on with the Vikings. He would have started over Alexander Madison. 100%. was a disaster this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there are teams that could have used his services that would have been more beneficial for him. And, and he just didn't do it. And and that's that's a problem for for Jamal Williams. And now he's going to be looking around for a team that wants to pick him up as as uh, uh, something more than a backup, and nobody's going to want it. And, and you know, to kind of put a bow on, on on this conversation, you know, so Arthur Smith gets all pissy about uh, you know and yells at Dennis Allen about it, and you know, to to his credit, Dennis Allen, you know, said, "Oh, you know, I was supposed to take knee, but the players did." But here's the here's the thing, Art. You're an NFL football team. What's your defense's job? Stop the run. Here's my thing about it. And and on, on one end, I understand Arthur, Arthur Smith's right, is that, you know, you, you line up in victory formation and then you, you run up the score. I get it because it was it was a dick move by the Saints. Mm-hmm. You know, when you line up in victory formation like that, everybody kind of goes, all right, they're taking the knee to mm-hmm. victory formation. And everybody just kind of goes, man, whatever, you know. And instead, he lined up in victory formation and, and ran the ball like an asshole. But at the same time, that wasn't Dennis Allen's fault. That was Jamison Williams. So but it's, I, I get the point of stop him if you don't want it. But at the same time, when you line up in victory formation, everybody kind of knows. So I, I get Arthur Smith's right. But Arthur Smith, you know, to, to, to your point, you got the shit kicked out of you anyway. Even yeah, exactly. With, it's 41-17. I mean, so there's that. And, and Arthur Smith goes to midfield, start bitching. On the other end, I'm looking at the Saints. I'm looking at Dennis Allen and going, "You lost control of your football team, and and mm-hmm. you lost control of your locker room as a head coach. So shame on you." Mm-hmm. So I mean, and, and Arthur Smith, you know, I understand his frustration, but Arthur Smith needed to understand that, you know, you you. He, he almost like like I think he took out his aggression and in the moment. But I, I think he, like, Arthur Smith is still angry about it and still angry at De- the wrong guy. He's still pissy at Dennis Allen. And it's like, dude, you, you should just be, you know, 
mad at, at Jameis Winston and company and the players that, that you know, did whatever the fuck they wanted because Dennis Allen was trying to get these guys to take a knee. But, to, I mean, at that point, the Saints, they win this game, but it was all for naught. They don't make the playoffs. Falcons get eliminated from the playoffs. Both these guys are out. Uh, it was a valiant effort by the Saints late in the season. Derek Carr played some of the best football of his career uh, mm-hmm. in the half of this year. When Derek Carr gets hot during playoff push time, and that's his M.O., he gets hot during playoff push time, it seems like the guy is next to an unstoppable, and he was very, very good in the back half of this season. you got to give him the credit. Uh, I, I mean, he, he really turned it on, uh, you know, especially in the last six games. Um, next up, the Jets go out and beat the Patriots in the Who Gives a Fuck Bowl. I'm not even going to dignify this one with going over anything. The bottom line, the Jets whooped their ass 17-3, to and this is an absolute uh, uh, mess for both teams. I the playoffs. Trevor Simeon went 8 for 20 for 70 yards. Bailey Zappi, 12 for 30 for 88 yards, two interceptions. Brees Hall carried the ball 37 goddamn times for 178 yards and a touchdown. This is a disaster. Both these teams are disasters. We know what one of them already did. We'll be talking about that momentarily. I'm not even going to bother with this fucking game. Let's move on. <laughs> and Next, if you thought that game was bad? <laughs> yeah, but, but hey, at least this one had some degree of implications to it. The Buccaneers go out and beat the Panthers 9-0. to on three <laughs> Bowling shoe ugly. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 20 for 32, 137. Uh, Rashad White has 19 carries for 75 yards. Chris Godwin, six receptions for 51. On the other end, Bryce Young, 11 for 18, 94 yards. Chuba Hubbard had 23 carries for 83 yards. DJ Chark, he winds up with two receptions for 46 yards. You know, the the Buccaneers wind up 9 and 8. They win the division. I mean, this was to be expected. Chase McLaughlin basically scored the only nine points in the entire game. His longest field goal that day was a 57-yarder, so kudos to him. You know, in the Bucs, they they got it done, and, you know, this is... I'm not going to sit here and say the Bucs were were necessarily bad as much as the Carolina Panthers' defense has notoriously this year been very, very good. we got to remember, this is toxic defense. I mean, Ezra Evero deserves all the credit in the world. I'm amazed that that man's not a head coach. I'm amazed that the Broncos let I'm him amazed out. he got bounced from Denver. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that the Broncos let him go out the door. I mean, it's in and, and the Panthers, even though they're two and fifteen, it definitely wasn't on the defense. It was primarily on the offense. And uh, it was primarily on the fact that Frank Reich it was was just hot, hot garbage. Um <clears throat> Carol interviewing head coaches, so we're gonna see how that goes. But in the meantime, the Bucks they wind up winning the division uh on a nine to zero win. <laughs> Nine and eight. Talk talk about tripping over the finish line. Yeah, they're the the NFC South champions for the third year in a row. They wind up in the four seed, and believe it or not, because they are the four seed, they will be hosting a playoff game. Just shoot me. Uh, (laughs) Right, which is kind of why we're sitting here thinking, why don't we just do it by record? If you win your division, you make the playoffs. But if your record sucks, you're a wild card team. Exactly, and and they, they that's what it should be. If you if your record sucks, you should still be a lower seed. You know, it's cool. Mm. I'll put you in the playoffs for winning your division. Good for you, but you shouldn't <laughs> top four. Yeah, there, there's no reason for it. The, the NFL does need to to fix that whole thing. Uh, next up, Bengals go out and beat the Browns, thirty-one to fourteen. You know, the Browns were resting their starters in this situation. Mm. Smart. Everybody out there, they had nothing to play for. They were mathematically uh, uh, eliminated. They were. 
They were locked in. Yeah, Bengals were out. Browns were locked in. Why would you do anything rash? Exactly. And this is the, the difference between Kevin Stefanski and Dan Campbell. Kevin Stefanski goes out and does the right thing. He trots out Jeff Driscoll, Pierre Strong. Drove him. He had three carries on the day. He trots out David Bell, Cedric Tillman, Jordan Aiken. Exactly. Uh, so he trots out all of his backup, James Prochet, who I actually know, but is, you know, he's he's a backup. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> he trotted out, and the only real starter, true starter that I look at that he trotted out there, and he only gave him three carries, and he also, uh, he had well, two catches on the day for 26 yards, was Jerome Ford just to get him a few reps. But, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, at the end of this whole thing, I mean, he trotted out his backups. He did the right thing. And, and and to his credit, I mean, the Browns were not going to get any worse or better regardless of the game. They were locked in the five seed. So it's pretty much old hat. Yeah, you know, he, here. and the Bengals get the W, and they finish the season 9-8. and eight. Good for them, but they were still eliminated from the playoffs, so it didn't really matter. Um, right. and, and really, the wheels started falling off the wagon when Joe Burrow got hurt. Yeah, as soon as he got hurt and, and Jake Browning, well, you should have never traded me. Well, maybe we should have because you still missed the playoffs. So, uh, you know, he, he winds up uh, taking his sorry ass home and, and uh, you know, better luck next year for the Bengals. And it's, Have it's, a seat on the couch. Yeah, and it's it's how kind of how the mighty fall, but at the same time, that's what happens when the most important position in football gets hurt and you trot a guy like Jake Browning out there, I'm just going to say. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, next up, the Packers go out and beat the Bears. This one had playoff implications. If the Packers won the game, they make the playoffs. They do win this game, 17-9. There was winning in, mm-hmm. and here are the Packers wind up making the playoffs. The Jordan Love had himself a super efficient game, 27-32, for 316 to touchdowns against a bad Bears defense. Uh, Aaron Jones, 22 points for 111 yards. Jaden Reed, four receptions for 112. It was probably... The most efficient game I've seen the Packers have all year. And granted, I get it. It's against a bad Bears team. But, you know, the Packers, this was efficiency at its finest. I mean, yep. you only missed three or five of your passes. Five of your yep. passes? Really? Yeah, like, and you know, even though they had one fumble and Jordan Love got sacked once. I mean, yeah. as as opposed to the Bears, I mean they they got uh, James, you know, Buston Fields got sacked five times, so you know, and and Buston Fields really was Buston Fields, eleven for sixteen for one hundred and forty eight, uh, and he rushed, he had eight carries for twenty seven yards, so he did he didn't break, he barely broke two one fifty, you know, so you know it was it was Bears being Bears. And to the credit of of uh, uh, the Packers here, I mean, think about it like this: I, some of the names of guys that were getting in the end zone and making big plays, like Jaden Reed, he came on about midway through the season. We know about Jaden Reed, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a good player. But like some of these guys getting getting some play and, and getting in the end zone. Dontavion Wicks, one uh-huh. six receptions for sixty one yards and a touch, uh, two touchdowns. Bo Melton had five receptions for sixty two yards. Jordan. Uh-huh. Spreading it out exactly, he was spreading it out really nicely. Yep, and mm-hmm. and so you think you, I think he's really starting to come in on his own here, based on based on this. And if you know, if he's you know, maybe they could turn these nobodies into somebodies over the next several years. Yeah, and, and Jordan Love seems to have found his rhythm ever since Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. He, he seemed to have found his rhythm, and it's been a continuing thing. And actually, I think it was probably the the week or two before Thanksgiving he found his rhythm. He got mm-hmm. hot. 
and the, the Packers wind up wind up making the playoffs after starting the, the year really badly. They wind up despite to- losing to the Giants on Monday Night Football, which is insanity. Right, but they they wind up in in the seven seed and they they squeeze their way into the playoffs. They got a showdown with the Cowboys coming in Dallas. Uh, that's going to be fun, and and the Packers wind up in there. So the Bears wind up going home. They've got a lot of questions. The Bears did a little house cleaning this week. We'll be talking about that a little bit. But uh, you know, there, there's some questions going on for for the Bears and for for old Bustin Fields there and. And we'll see how that goes with for Ryan Poles and company, but they they are probably going to retain uh, Matt Everflus. So hey, you know we'll we'll see how the what the future holds for them. Uh, next up, the Cowboys go out and beat the Commanders thirty-eight to ten. This secures them the two seed. This was expected, you know. Mm-hmm. The are a disaster. They finished the season four and thirteen. The Cowboys finish off with a strong twelve and five. Dak Prescott does what Dak Prescott does: thirty-one for thirty-six in the regular season. Yeah, four touchdowns and a pick. I mean, he he was really great in this game. Tony Pollard, 17 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb doing his typical thing. 13 receptions, 98 yards, two TDs on the day. You know, this was the Dallas Cowboys and their most efficient. And and they beat up on a bad commander's defense. Off all of its parts. Sam Howell, you know, the the, the offense for the commanders, the the wheels came off. And the defense... Mm -hmm. After they lost all those parts and they traded away all those parts, we knew that that defense was going to be bad. And here we are. You know, this is it. I mean, this is the the Cowboys securing the two seed. This was expected. Um, And and the commanders are bums. And they they did a little house cleaning this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but, But the commanders wind up dropping that one to the Cowboys. I'm not surprised. Right. No, not not in the slightest. I mean, you know, and the Cowboys have notoriously been bad, you know, been challenged on the road. We'll say challenged. But I mean, against this team, it was kind of it was kind of a lock. So, yeah, you know, we'll, kind of new. And, and then to be fair, also, the Cowboys are sitting there going, we want to play at home. Let's just pound these guys and get out of here. Yeah. The only way that they're not going to play at home, there's two two moments in the playoffs where they won't play at home. Number one is if they run in the, the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And number two is if they go to the Super Bowl. Those are the only right. two times where they won't be playing at home. And, right. you know, and, and really, Vegas ain't that far. You know, so. Nope. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not far for uh, the Cowboys. And even if they run in the 49ers, you're still going out west and there's no time change. Exactly. So it's, it's really not that big of an issue. It's... It, the, the Cowboys playing at home, they've been great at home. They don't like being on the road, but at the same time, hey, you know what? They, they secure the two seed, and for the most part, they'll be at home at least for the first two rounds of the playoffs, depending on if they make the NFC title game. Cowboys get it done here. They get the two seed. Uh, next up, and and really, it was, it was dependent on them winning to get the two seed, and the Eagles... So uh, the next game is is the Raiders versus Broncos. We'll start here. This was a who gives a fuck game. Both mm-hmm. teams statistically were, were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Both teams end the season eight and nine. This was another waste of time game. Um, the only thing that I'm going to take away from this game, well, there's two things. Number one, Jared Stidham played played as the starting quarterback. Russell Wilson may not be there after this year. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Number two, I really believe that. If Josh Jacobs winds up leading the Raiders, leaving the Raiders behind and going to free agency, Zamir White can fully handle the number one running back duties. There's no doubt in my mind. 
Every time that, that Josh Jacobs has gone down, Zamir White has come into the game and performed admirably. There's no doubt in my mind Zamir White should be RB1 should Josh Jacobs go out the door. And really, they get Zamir White on a, on a rookie-scale deal for very little money. This is a this would be a brilliant move, and, and they could build that running back. You know, uh, they'll build him, really, as their RB1. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong there? Nope, you're not wrong. You know, Zamir White, you know, he, he goes out and, and does a great job. 25 carries, 112 yards. And really, you know, he, he's filled in admirably. And it, I think that if if Josh Jacobs skips town, you know, he'll, he will be fine at the number one position. I think they should still consider getting a running back. Maybe not in the first round, but maybe like second or third. See if he can dig into the coals and get that gem. But uh, at, at the same time, you know, I'm not panicking. Aiden O'Connell isn't exactly the answer in Vegas. You know, he, I mean, he did decent, 20 for 31, 244, two touchdowns. But at the same time, I'm kind of thinking about drafting a quarterback, especially if you if you have somebody fall in your lap. Yeah, enough of the, the random free agent uh, carousel here. You, you got to go out and get your quarterback in the future. Uh, with, with them Jimmy sitting, G's not the answer. Yeah, with them sitting at 8-9, uh, they're going to have to find something kind of mid-first round in the, in the mid to late teens. Uh, I, I'd have to look and see where they're picking. But the, the uh, fa- I think the coach that's there now, I forget his name escapes me, uh, who was a former player, should remain the head coach because he's turned this team around ever since you know jo- ever since Josh McDaniels was shown the door. You know, uh, Antonio, Antonio Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, keep him as the head coach. I really think he has an opportunity to you know take this team under his wing. The the boys want to play for him, and if if he can make if they can make some smart moves. Who knows? They might be able to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. They they've got to get a question. It's not like you don't have a, a good. Um, uh, it's not like you don't have a, a good, you know, receiver over there. You have Devontae Adams for Christ's sake. You know, oh, yeah. and really, you have Jacoby Myers, who was really good this year too. By the way, you know, <laughs> I, I I just I look at at this situation and I go, you know. You could find your quarterback of the future. In the draft right now, Vegas has picked number 13. So that puts them well within reach in a QB-heavy class to find their quarterback of the future. If they want to come up, they probably could. I don't see, like, like if you look at certain situations, for example, Chicago sitting at number one. The, the rumor has it that Washington is sort of courting Chicago for that number one pick, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to go quarterback. Washington's going to go quarterback. You know, Arizona doesn't need it. They're they're sold on Kyler Murray. Chargers have Justin Herbert. The Giants are probably going to go QB in the top in, in the top of the round. And in, in spite they probably of, should. I mean, <laughs> D Jones isn't the answer. Yeah, they they've already been talking about how how they're they're probably going to go quarterback. Tennessee's got to go quarterback. Atlanta's yeah. going to go quarterback. You know, there there are, are guys out there, and so I'm kind of hoping that some of and you know the Jets they have Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to go QB. Chicago, if they're sold on on Boston Fields, they're good for them. They can go get Marvin Harrison Jr. and go start working on their defense. But the Vikings are going to go quarterback. Uh, Denver might go quarterback, depending on how, on what goes on with Russell Wilson. Who knows how that's going to go? But it, you know, it, there's there's issues there. So there's a lot of teams that are quarterback needy. And this is a quarterback-heavy draft. I would probably say in the top 11, maybe top 12, you're going to see QBs flying off the board. I would say you're probably going to see about six or seven quarterbacks go in the first 11 picks. So mm. for that. But, uh, yeah, we got 103 days till the draft. 
so yeah, which is insane in itself. Yeah, those teams have questions. Uh, next up, the Philadelphia Eagles drop one to the New York Giants, twenty-seven to ten. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Disaster of epic proportions. The Eagles, though, to, let's just put this out there: the Eagles did field their backups. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted to rest their guys, and I get it. I think they realized that they're going to be a wild card team, regardless, right, of, of the situation. And and they have a showdown with the Buccaneers in this in this situation. So it kind of works out well for them. They're resting their starters, but the wheels really came off at the end of the season. They lost five of their last six. Uh, you know, and, and they started the season ten and one. Yeah, they were like yeah. one of the one of the main undefeated teams in football. Yeah, it, it was an absolute disaster uh, to to finish the year. A lot of a lot of injuries and crazy stuff going on right now. There's a, a concern about the Jalen Hurts and him having an injured finger right now. So him going into that game, there's a lot of issues there. Tyrod Taylor was the guy that that was uh, lit helming the the New York Giants here. The Giants are probably looking at a quarterback here. I think Tyrod uh, Tyrod's contract is up after this year. He's got he was just on a one year deal. So and and. Questions are surrounding Saquon Barkley and whether or not he's going to get that long-term deal. He says he wants to remain a, a giant. He's probably going to be headed for free agency this year. Hey, you know what? The Giants, they have questions, but we're, we're going to see what, the direction that they go. The Eagles, man, they're in trouble. They're in mm-hmm. trouble, and they're rested. They rested their guys, you know, for, for this game. You know, they, they didn't they didn't have their dudes out there. They had, A.J. Brown only had one catch. Dallas Goddard only had one catch, Okay. They rested their their big time starters and and let's all say Devonte Smith. They rested him completely because he had a, he has an ankle injury. So I mean they they had all kinds of stuff going on with this team. Uh, Reed Blankenship did get hurt in this game. Their, their big time safety. Uh, he had actually five tackles and an interception in this game. But you know I mean that defense, the wheels have come off. This this switching over to Matt Patricia thing. Uh, Ugh, has, horrible idea disaster disaster the track record shows and they do it like right in the middle of playoff push time it doesn't make sense no not at all so here we are the eagles finished the season 11 and 6 they finish as the five seed when for a while there it was looking like they were going to be the one seed they make the playoffs i feel like this this is like this is as bad as two years ago when the Arizona Cardinals started 8-0 and mm-hmm. finished barely making the playoffs. This yeah. is as epic. I would say this is worse because this is a perennial franchise in the NFL. You have one of the best quarterback. You have a Super Bowl team. You were in the Super Bowl last year. And you have Jalen Hurts. You have A.J. Brown. You have Devontae Smith. You pick up DeAndre Swift in the offseason. You get you get your hands on Jalen Carter, one of the best defensive tackles in football. And you know, at this, at, and, you, and you and you drop your season, you know, midway through because you you hire a clown in Matt Patricia as your defensive coordinator, and you lose your two elite, you know, offense. You, you lose your superior offensive and defensive coordinators. So, yeah, it's definitely boots. I think we're going to stamp the bingo card here. This is an organizational failure. Yeah, absolutely. It's an organizational failure, no doubt. And and do the Eagles mandate Nick Sirianni did not do a good job filling those roles. You know, Shane Steichen, you, you know, when he left, 
you needed to go out and be more diligent in finding yourself a new offensive coordinator. You know, and I, I, I point to the Ravens this year in particular, okay? You lose your offensive coordinator, you go out and pick up one that's damn good in Todd Monken. They did their homework. Nick Sirianni just said, nah, fuck it, it'll work itself out. No, that's not how this shit works. Mm-hmm. And where the best teams go out and, and they, they deal with the shit, you know, and, and we're going to be talking about the coaching carousel because part of the coaching carousel is all the coordinator carousels that go on too. You know, there's, there's yep. the coordinators that are getting moved out of their teams for bad performances and they're going to be doing their homework to find proper coordinators. And right now, Nick Sirianni is on a hot seat in spite of the fact that he made the playoffs, in spite of the fact that they're the five seed. They're talking about firing this guy. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, if you start the season 10 and one, you finish 11 and six. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. You, you got, the organization has to do something. Yeah, and, and they're talking about, about shit-canning Nick Sirianni over this, this late-season meltdown, and here we are. So, I mean, the Giants, they, they get 127-10. I mean, they beat the Eagles' backups, I get it, but, man, late-season meltdown. Nick Sirianni, his ass is on fire right now. Uh, next up, the Seahawks go out and beat the Cardinals 21-20. to The Seahawks, in order to make the playoffs, they had to win this game, and they needed the Packers to lose, but the Packers get the W, so the win is for naught, okay? The Seahawks still get the W. They wind up finishing the season 9-8. and they're, they're a good team, but it was just not good enough. They were a middle-of-the-road team. I mean, I, I, for a while, Geno Smith, and Ty, Geno Smith had Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was a nice one, two, three punch, kind of like uh, Cincinnati has with uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. You know, that's a nice comparison. Plus, you got one of the best running backs in football, Kenneth Walker, third. But at the end of the day, I think it's just, you know, injuries. You know, Dino Smith went down, Drew Locke came in and had himself a decent game. But, you know, the, the and, and the the odds worked against them. Yeah, there, there are a lot of problems with this Seattle team right now. I, and I, I'm not going to say there's a ton, but there are problems with it. I don't, I still don't believe in Geno Smith, and mm-hmm. a lot of us do. I still, I just don't. And and we we detailed that last year, and and mm-hmm. certain occasions he's proven me wrong, but then on other occasions I go, oh, there's the Geno Smith we've come to you know know and loathe. You know, like <laughs> yeah. that's the guy, right? So I mean, Geno Smith. I, I don't know that he's the answer over there. And the fact that they, they gave him such a lucrative deal. A ludicrous deal, really. Yeah, and luckily for them, they, they front-loaded it so much so that the next two seasons are going to wind up being really kind of minuscule as far as his overall pay and his overall cap hit. But, I, I mean, it is what it is. The Seahawks, they don't make the playoffs. As for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, he's going to be their, their quarterback of the According to Jonathan Gannon, he believes that Kyler Murray is the guy, and he had himself a good game in this one, 22 for 30, 262 and a touchdown. And James Conner looked like James Conner, you know, 27 mm-hmm. yards, 50 yards and a touchdown. The Cardinals need more weapons over there at the receiver position. Uh, Hollywood Brown is not the answer. I like Michael mm-hmm. a lot. He's come alive really this year. But Michael Wilson isn't a number one receiver, and and we, we have to face that fact. I, I really do think they need a true number one. I could see, like, you know, a Dunze being a guy that they, they look at in the draft from uh, Washington there, from uh, University of Washington, after that, that uh, epic run 
to to the uh, the college football championship for for Washington. And congratulations to the University of Michigan, by the way. But there there's mm-hmm. going to be some some uh, receivers that they're going to be looking to in this draft, and I could see you know Adunze being one of those guys or, mm-hmm. or being the guy uh, if if Chicago Bear if the Chicago Bears go out and they take uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So get ready for that. But the, the Seahawks go out and beat the Cardinals here 21 to 20. Um, next up, the Rams, uh, another kind of who gives a fuck game. Two guys, mm-hmm. that, teams that were already in. Yep, Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold. Yeah, it, this was, it was almost a little laughable, you know, because like if you see this, like these two teams lined up with each other on paper, you're like, oh, that's a great divisional matchup. And then you look over and you're like, oh, wait, they already secured their playoff spots, so who gives a shit? And, and they're playing. They're playing their backups. You know, resting their guys. To, and then to their credit, you know, they got the ball to Puka. You know, the Rams got the ball to Puka Nakua four times for forty-one yards, and they gave him his record. They gave him his flowers. You know, yeah. uh, you know but which you know kind of gives him a little gives him a little tiny push for the rookie of the year. More on that later. Yeah. Uh, you want, you go want ahead. To- about something laughable was the fact that Carson Wentz carried the ball 17 times in this <laughs> So they did a lot of quarterback runs. I'm like, what is going on here? Why? But uh, <laughs> the Rams, I mean, they get the W21-20. Nobody gives a shit. Both these teams are locked into the playoffs. The Rams, or the, the Niners get the bye. They're the number one seed, so they didn't care. They were locked in. And the Rams go out, they just get a W with their backups, and they wind up 10-7. and seven. The Rams have a showdown with the Lions this week. We'll be talking about that shortly. But, uh, you know, the Rams get the W here. Uh, next up, Chiefs go out and beat the Chargers 13-12 to 12 again. <laughs> Who gives a fuck matchup? Uh, both teams mm. in their backups. The Chiefs yep. are locked in. They won the division already. They knew that their seating. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, they knew their seating wasn't going to change. Uh, and and they finished the season eleven and six. Blaine Gabbert with a backup man, Who? shit show he turned out to be. Fifteen for thirty and one fifty four and a pick. You basically made fifty percent of your passes. Yeah, let's, Ugly. Let's, let's just say it right now. He is not Chad Henning. Okay, no, he is not. not You're not going to find too many backups in this league that are like Chad Henning. To, in his defense, yeah, he is. He is not Chad Henning. Uh, so I mean, the Chiefs get it done, thirteen to twelve. Uh, and then last but not least, the Buffalo Bills. This one had a little bit of playoff implications. The Buffalo Bills yep. go out and beat the Miami Dolphins 21-14. In it was the, a good uh, way to end the season. Yeah, it was a good It was a good season finale. I still argue that the, the Colts and Texans game should have been oh, the season finale. Oh, 100%. Colts-Texans was the game of the week. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Bills versus Dolphins, I, I understand why they made it the last game of the year. Either way, it was a good game. Uh, the, the Dolphins were kind of hobbled in this game. No Jalen Waddle, no Raheem Mostert. Uh, Devin A. Shane winds up with 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. I was surprised they didn't run him more. Tyree Kill, seven receptions, 82 yards and a TD. Uh, but with this win, and, and Josh Allen, by the way, looked pretty damn good in this game. 30 for 38, mm-hmm. 59, two touchdowns. He did it. He also carried the ball 15 times Yeah, over yeah, was- James Cook. A lot of carries, but, you know, this is what happens when you don't have your stars on the field, you know, uh, and, and really 
This is also what happens with that Joe Brady system that is just a shit system. Here's, here's the funny thing about that, though. You know how Gabe Davis is usually popping up on the stat sheet left and right in weird places? He got hurt in this game, and he trotted off the field. And right. as a result, Stefan Diggs actually got used. Seven yeah. catches for 87 yards. Diggs and got- oddly enough, Khalil Shakir, who is sick, is your is your leader, six catches for 105. Because at the end of the day, Steph Diggs is still being used as a, di- a diversion for whoever the wide receiver two is, uh, and and in this case, Khalil Shakir wind up being wound up being. If the Bills get bounced from the playoffs, Stephon Diggs will point to Joe Brady and go, "That's the reason we lost." Yeah, and and Steph Diggs deserves uh, uh, better. He deserves. He far- does deserve better. I mean, yeah, he's he's a pompous prick. He's a diva, but he's also is his numbers back it up. Yeah, he's he's a, a damn good player, and the fact that they they have really not used him to the best of their ability is a problem. Also, Dalton Kincaid, by the way, seven receptions, eighty four yards in this one. I like Dalton Kincaid a lot, and uh, he's been really special for the great Buff- pick. Great pickup at the tight end position. Yeah, but with this win, the Buffalo Bills wind up uh, for the second or the second or third year in a row. I think it's the third year in a row they win the AFC South, so they the end AFC up AFC East, but the, the AFC- two seed. I don't know why I said South. They're the most one of the most northern teams. But anyway, the AFC East, they win, rather. The Dolphins wind up dropping to the five seed. The Bills end up as the two seed, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Yep. And so the Bills, after start, after you know having so many ups and downs and having a roller coaster of a season, they wind up as the two seed. So roads are running through Buffalo here uh, for... for mm-hmm. Basically anybody other than the Baltimore Ravens, which I could see a showdown happening there. The Bills get it done. In the meantime, the Dolphins have a showdown with the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Uh, in some in, super cold weather. Yeah, it's going to be cold. My God. <laughs> so, the so, frozen tundra. Buddy, it's going to be cold. So, <laughs> you love it. This, this is the kind of stuff you live for as a football fan. It's freezing cold. You're sitting in the stands with your shirt off, and you got a beer in one hand and a hot dog in the other. It's playoff football, baby. Uh, the football negative 30 wind chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what's happening. They, their nipples are going to be able to cut fucking diamonds. Yeah. But, but uh, we also – for so um, – I, I went through. I didn't even bother with doing the the uh, top performances for the week. Well, I did, but after adding it, I just added it all up and and went through the the MVP rankings. And we have our official show MVP named um, our our top ten for the MVP voting. Uh, or, well, not really voting, but uh, to MVP performances. Number ten goes to Rasheed Rice. Uh, leg B team, stand up. Rasheed Rice, uh, he had himself a stellar year. He became Patrick Mahomes' uh, really his favorite target uh, after the not named not named Travis Kelsey, but yes, yeah, it, it was surprising. He finishes the year with seventy nine receptions for nine hundred thirty eight yards and seven touchdowns, just uh, south of a thousand. Nice job, point nine average. You know, he didn't break a thousand, but at the same time, he really sort of came on late in the year. Yeah, uh, is and and really performed well for for Patrick Mahomes and I think with with a, an additional offseason we're going to see a lot more use of of uh, Rasheed Rice they're going to have to find um a number 2 receiver for for him though uh yeah, you can pick those guys up in the third or fourth round they, yeah. they have gems in those later rounds yeah and, and they're going to find one and I I've seen a few that I really like I mean imagine a guy like Brendan Rice over there 
See, uh, that's Jerry Rice's son who has declared for the draft. I think he would be an excellent pickup for them. Uh, number nine goes to a guy. So Kyren Williams is number nine. And, you know, he popped up on this list a lot during certain, mm-hmm. during the year, but he missed a few games because of the injury that he suffered. Uh, in uh, I believe it was um, November he got – well, it was really October he got hurt, and then he returned in late November. So he missed about four weeks. But realistically, I mean, if you look at his numbers, man, 228 carries, he had 1,144 yards, 12 touchdowns on the year. Just a huge, huge performance from Kyron Williams this year. I mean, just out of this world, out of this world. That that guy out of, out of Notre Dame, a lot of people slept on him. Mind you, he was a fifth-round selection. Like, like let's, let's not forget that. Fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. He wound up doing all that. Uh, he was, he, he had a certain games this year where he put the whole team on his back. He's had a great year and for him to break 1144 yards, uh, he wound up on our list quite a bit had, I I'm convinced that if he had a, a full season, we might be talking about him much, much higher on the list. Yeah. But, we probably top three. Yeah. So, but Kyron Williams, number nine, uh, number eight goes to Raheem must start. Start. <laughs> yep. Yep. Raheem must start. You know, uh, Raheem Mostert had himself a really, really solid year for Miami. Um, you know, it, it was it was good. He breaks a thousand. He has one one thousand twelve yards. He had eighteen touchdowns on the season, which is nice really, job. Yeah, he he wound up being on this list a lot of times. That I didn't realize how often he had wound up in our top ten performances for the week until I started counting it up, and then I was like, oh man, he's been on here an awful lot. And mm-hmm. uh, he ends up as number eight on the list. Uh, a lot of appearances for him. Number seven goes to Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, well deserved, well earned. You know, just he's he's the Chris Carter of the Detroit Lions. That's exactly it. So he had 119 catches for 1,515 yards. 1,500 uh, yard season. Stand up. Yeah, 10 10 recept or uh, 10 touchdown receptions as well. He's been excellent for Detroit. Um, and and he wound up as number seven on the list. He had uh, some really, really strong games, especially throughout. From October 15th to November 12th, man, he had four really big games. When he blows up, he blows up. And and really, mm-hmm. this game against Minnesota, seven receptions, 144 and a touchdown. That's what uh, uh, really boosted him above most certain Kyron Williams. Um, and it, he winds up right behind Puka Nakua, who fit, sits at number six. Uh, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about Puka Nakua. Uh, the, the, the most surprising player of the season. Yeah, 105 uh, receptions for 1,486 yards. He had six touchdowns on the year. Puka Nakua, as a rookie, has been spectacular. He oh, showed yeah. list a lot this year as well. He had uh, a stretch of games early on. Uh, he had, you know, 119 yards, 147 yards, 72 yards, 163 yards, 71 yards, He he, and then 154 yards. I mean, he, he had good game after good game. After good game, really just solid performances all and around. Unless, unless I missed my guess, he played all 18 weeks. Yes, he did. He played all 18 weeks. He he has been a uh, 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 rock solid for Puka Nakua and yep. or, or for the LA Rams rather. And Puka Nakua winds up as number six on our list. He was spectacular this year. He wound up on our list on our top 10 list for performances on a weekly basis quite often. So yep, he wound up up there. Number five goes to Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, Dak 
he didn't early on in the season wind up on our list a whole lot, but as the season progressed, he got stronger and stronger and stronger and wound up on the top 10 lists more often than not. And a lot of times he wound up much higher on the list than expected. Dak Prescott had himself a humongous year. And, and a lot of that is a credit to CD lamb. Let's be fair. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you know, Dak deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to accomplish here. Uh, 404 or 4,516 yards. He had 36 touchdown passes. He did have nine interceptions, but that was a market improvement from last year's interception debacle. He winds up finishing <laughs> with 105.9 QB rating. Got to give him all the credit in the world. He's played well. And, mm-hmm. and when he has a big game, man, he has a big game. He's been accurate. Uh, there are a couple occasions where the wheels fell off for him. But and and there mm. are okay. and there was a couple of anomalies. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals game, the first game, the, that that second week was like, oh, that's a bit of an anomaly. But uh, yeah, overall, he's been very good. Yeah, it, like the Buffalo game, the the game against yeah. Buffalo was another one where it was like, what in the hell is going on? Uh, you know, he had three touchdowns or three interceptions against uh, uh, San Francisco, which I mean, I don't know that I can blame him for. That. No, yeah, you're you're going up against the Niners, one of the best defenses in the league. You, yeah. you get a little leeway if you're it, as an elite quarterback. You get leeway when you run into a brick wall like that. Right. You know, if we if we take away that game, we're we're only talking about six interceptions. So I mean, right. I think it's a really good season for him, and and he winds up. I mean, he had a, a damn good year. He popped up on our list a lot late in the season, so he winds up as number five on the list. Number four goes to Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar. Mm-hmm. Won- on our list, uh, and and again, this is another situation where Lamar has been showing up on the list in the latter part of the season. I would argue that he's the most improved quarterback of the year, and the reason I say that is, you know, ever since Todd Monken came in and became the offensive coordinator and reined in all those runs, because we kept talking about it earlier in the season, Lamar was more of a running quarterback than a passing quarterback. Then what happened? Things started to tilt more in the other direction. Now he's more of a full-fledged quarterback back yes you can use his legs but man you got to sustain the pocket step up and throw it and he's he has shown that yeah he's he's become a more well-rounded qb and and really a lot of his runs have not they're they're still design runs but there's a lot of less design runs and a lot more of him just making plays off schedule when needed Mm, yeah when you need it when you need it and that's the thing and he still has that in his that weapon in his arsenal but he's still very capable of throwing the football effectively. I like what Dak, or I'm sorry, what Lamar has done this year. And and, Here's uh, the only thing, though, and Boots would say this too. Now it's the playoffs. The lights are shining bright. You have a a path to the Super Bowl in front of you. Let's see you do it in nut-cutting time. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson, I mean, and well, some people would argue that the stats wouldn't dictate it. Uh, You know, let's, I mean, you look at his numbers and you're you're like, mm-hmm. actually, he's had himself a pretty damn good year. 3,678 yards, 24 touchdowns. He also had uh, uh, quite a few uh, um, on the ground as well. I mean, 24 touchdowns. He had seven interceptions. You know, let's be fair. But this year, I mean, we're, we're, what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about 821 yards and five more touchdowns uh, on the ground. So, I mean, really, if you look at his his yards from scrimmage, and and what he does, I mean, still a damn good. Uh, it's a, it's a Lamar Jackson type of year. Eight twenty one on the ground is nothing to sneeze at, right? You're talking about forty four, almost forty five hundred yards worth of offense from Lamar. 
you're still talking about 30 plus touchdowns from Lamar. I mean, like mm-hmm. it, it, he's just a different type of quarterback. And, and he, mm-hmm. I mean, from a statistic standpoint, Lamar has been damn good. Uh, and he shows up on our list quite a bit. Uh, and, and particularly as the season progressed and he wound up having, I, I think it was one more appearance than Dak. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really shows you what, you know, how close this thing is. Number three winds up being sort of a surprise to me, but, Given how the season progressed, I'm not mm. surprised. Had Tyreek Hill not had an ankle injury, Tyreek Hill would probably have been two on this list, but he winds up as three. The ankle injury late in the season really hampered him, and Tyreek winds up, uh, um, you know, 2,000 yards be damned. Uh, he still winds up being uh, number three on this list. Uh, from a stat standpoint, Tyreek's been great. I mean, you 119 yards, 17, I'm sorry, 119 catches, 1,799 yards. He had 13 touchdowns on the year. He had some huge games this year against Denver, against the Giants, against Carolina, against New England, against Vegas, and against the Jets, and against Washington, and against the Jets again. I mean, like he just, he looked good all year long, and and you gotta, you gotta love it. I, I like Tyreek Hill a lot. I had him in fantasy. And uh, he made me soak my jockeys almost every week. So I mean, <laughs> it was it was an exciting thing having him uh, as a, as a fantasy football pl- uh, guy. He he didn't quite get to nineteen sixty five on the yard on the passing yards, but he damn near broke eighteen hundred. So still yeah. a very impressive season from Tyreek Hill. Yeah, if he doesn't miss time with the ankle injury, I think we're having a different conversation about whether or not he broke that record. And and mm-hmm. you know he he missed time with that ankle injury, and it's unfortunate and. He had to come off the field when he had the ankle injury, and then he also missed a game after that. And it just you, you almost you feel for the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to break that record. I thought we were going to see history, and mm-hmm. you know he might gun for it again. Who knows? But you know Tyree Kill man had himself a hell of a season. But the guy who continuously had himself a hell of a season as well is another guy I had in fantasy, which was C. D. Lamb. C. D. Lamb himself. Mm-hmm. So, a fantastic year. And, and, uh, I was surprised to say the least 135 catches, 1749 yards, 12 touchdowns. He wound up on our list more often by about one time than Tyreek. <laughs> and it was that ankle injury debacle. Lamb kept showing up like early on. He started out really quiet early on in the season. He, his, his biggest game was the 11 reception, 143 yard game. Uh, against the New York Jets, but then if you look at what went on from basically week five onward, week six onward, against the Chargers, 117 yards, against uh, uh, the Raiders, or I'm sorry, against the Rams, 158. Eagles, 191. Giants, 151. And then, of course, he had the game in Detroit where he had a 227, including a 92-yard bomb from the other end zone so you know that definitely helped and, and if you look at his touchdowns it was consistent throughout the the season two after that point you know he had the one touchdown in new england early but then la two touchdowns touchdown against the giants touchdown against carolina touchdown against washington touchdown against seattle touchdown against philly touchdown against miami touchdown against detroit two touchdowns against washington I mean, it was just, it was nonstop. Uh, Consistency. You know, yeah, he was, he's been consistent almost all year long, other than that, that first five out of the first six, I think it was five out of the first six games, he was a little, little shaky. But 
ultimately winds up to being one of the most consistent receivers in football and winds up on this list. Again, this was like minuscule. They It was one time wound up on there at a time when Tyreek Hill wasn't on there. And, and that's all it took was, was to, for him to take the two spot. But our league, our, well, our, our show MVP yep. is, and, and I, I don't think there's any question Mm-mm. at all to anybody. I, it's Christian McCaffrey, right? Run I, I, CMC from the San Francisco 49ers. That yeah. big, that big trade is paying off in spades, man. Man, uh, in this, if you look at at his numbers this year, he damn near had fifteen hundred yards rushing, fourteen hundred and fifty nine yards this season, fourteen touchdowns on the ground. Okay, I mean, and that's that's a he had another seven touchdowns through the air, another five hundred sixty four yards through the air. The man is just amazing. Over two thousand yards of of total offense from him this year. Uh, for the for the San Francisco 49ers he's a pro bowler and and he I mean he's an all pro he's he's just an incredible guy and and an outstanding player he tore it up this year he winds up being our show MVP um it's not even a question and and mm-hmm. because of that I will do the the honors for boots here and slow clap award well Christian McCaffrey there you go buddy congratulations Christian McCaffrey our show MVP this year. Uh, he will be the reigning MVP moving forward. Um, as for our rookie rankings, let's jump into these. Uh, we have some stuff to discuss as far as the rookie rankings go. We'll start with our honorable mentions. Uh, Keanu Benton winds up as an honorable mention. He falls off the list after struggling against the Ravens' backups. I, I could not be good conscience. I right. couldn't leave him on the list with the way he struggled against the Ravens backups. It was one of his worst games of the year. He falls off this list. And another guy that, that fell off the list, he played biggest disappointment in, in uh, did biggest disappointment of the year from a show perspective. Yeah. He started out the whole season really, really well, wound up with a rib injury, missed about three weeks and then came back to a really bad performance. So that four weeks really dropped him off the list. He had a huge bounce back game versus Arizona in week 18, but availability and reliability did him in. Did him in. That's Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I mean, it just, it's unfortunate, but, uh, and, you know, it was looking like he was headed for the number one spot and being our show MVP. Uh, and, and once that injury happened, the wheels came off and that was about it for oh, him. So. And it opened and it opened the door for the tie more on that in a second. Yep, so we'll be talking about that. But number 10, and and this is a guy that Boots has been pounding the table for, Brian Branch, the safety for the Detroit Lions out of the University of Alabama. He shows up on the list, finally, 78.1 PFF grade, 83.6 run defense, 63.9 pass rush grade, and a 76 coverage. Uh, he finished the regular season with a pretty mediocre performance versus a questionable Vikings team that was filled with backups. Nonetheless, per pro football focus, the former Crimson and I quote, the former Crimson Tide captain forced 11 incompletions, three interceptions, and eight tackles for a loss on runs, all of which rank in the top three in the class. Uh, he's, he had the injury that really hampered him a little bit early on. But really, I, I really think through the last eight weeks of the season, really turned it on and and he was he was looking damn good throughout the, the back half and that's what you know I, I watched and I, I was really struggling putting him on there because there were a lot of really hot performances 
from guys like Zay Flowers and, and the guy above him, who I was pounding the table for, is Jordan Battle, safety for the for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he's also his is Brian Branch's former teammate from the University of Alabama. Uh, Jordan Battle finishes with an 82.5 PFF grade, an 81.3 run defense grade, a 76.4 coverage grade, and a 69.9 pass rush grade. He finished the year strong. He brings in a pressure, a sack, an interception, and three passes defended on four targets per pro football focus. Battle's 15 run stops ranks top 12 at the position at 2023, but he stands as the only player to pull off this feat in less than 270 snaps. Uh, Jordan Battle came in about midway through the season for for them. The the thing about and I really I I would say that these guys could be interchangeable. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost nine A nine B situation. I could understand if somebody wanted to put Brian Branch above Jordan Battle. I'm not against it. I'm not opposed. And and that would probably be Boots's argument. Um, mm-hmm. I think about Jordan Battle is the way that he he plays is different than Brian Branch. They're two different types of safeties. Brian Branch is very much a coverage safety. That's what he's there for. He is very much a guy that's going to make the big play on the interceptions, whatever the case. Jordan Battle is more of a run support safety. He's a guy that's going to be in the box, and if they're and every now and then they're going to blitz him and they're going to harass the quarterback with him and whatever else. Um, he can still cover. That's not to say he can't, but Jordan Battle is more of a in-the-box type of safety. So two different types of players. Uh, two different uh, uh, play styles, both very effective, both played great this year, um, and and you got to give them all the credit in the world. I wasn't entirely sold on Brian Branch coming out of the draft. Um, I still wasn't sold on Brian Branch for a while this season, and and you know he shows up on the list, he makes a dummy out of me. It was a good value <laughs> pick for the for the Lions, and uh, they wind up getting themselves a good safety out of the University of Alabama there. So he showed up. So Brian Branch and Jordan Battle. Um, are sitting there between at nine and ten. Number eight goes to Zay Flowers, the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens out of Boston College. He finishes the year with a 75.6 PFF grade, 73.9 receiving, 77.4 rushing. He didn't play in week 18 to, due to uh, Baltimore sitting their starters, but he finishes the year with strong numbers. He establishes himself as Lamar Jackson's number one receiver moving forward. That's good him, news. Yeah, he had himself a great year. Uh, and and you know, for a team that is usually kind of a power run type of team, for him to get the numbers that he did and and be as well established as he was and and perform the way he did, Zay Flowers winds up as eight on the list uh, and finishes out the year uh, at at eight. And that's about the highest I think he's been so far. Number seven goes to Jameer Gibbs, uh, the running back for the Lions out of the University of Alabama. This is the second bad week in a row, so he actually lost a couple spots here. Uh, he winds up with a 76 PFF grade, an 83.4 rushing grade, 62.8 receiving grade. He struggled against that Vikings defensive unit that was missing a lot of starters. He only yeah. managed 30 yards on 13 carries for a 2.3 average, but he did get into the end zone. He was awful, though, in his pass blocking looks. He recorded uh, just a 2.0 pass blocking grade per pro football focus. He's and, got and isn't and then didn't we talk about earlier in the season where Jameer Gibbs was a decent blocker on top of you know being able to break tackles he was also decent at blocking well and and we boots had been had been talking really recently over the last several weeks about how Jameer Gibbs needs to work on his pass blocking and uh-huh. and, and how Montgomery is the better blocker of the two and that's why Montgomery seems to get more looks uh in Detroit 
than Jameer Gibbs and why they seem to be splitting carries a lot more and why Montgomery seems to be on the field more all the time is because of the fact that Jameer Gibbs doesn't pass block well. And here we are, you know, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, he had five pass blocks and they were all terrible, you know, so. Mm, Yeah, against the bad Minnesota Vikings defense. Yeah, so he needs. Uh, Playing a lot of their secondary players because a lot of their starters were missing. Yeah, they were down 12 players in this game. I mean, it, it just it goes to show you that, that Jameer Gibbs, there are things to work on for him. And, mm. you know, that's that's just kind of what it is. But uh, Jameer Gibbs winds up at seven on, on the list. Um, number six goes to Ivan Pace Jr., the linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings of the University of Cincinnati. 77.2 PFF grade, a 61.3 run defense grade, a 78 pass rush grade, and a 77.7 coverage grade. He finishes the year with a strong defensive performance against the Lions. Per pro football focus, paces 20, and I quote, paces 21.7% pass rush win rate, led all qualifying defenders in the class in coverage. He surrendered fewer yards per coverage snap. It was just 0.59 than all but one qualifying first-year cornerbacks, your your corners. Uh, You know, Ivan Pace has been a revelation as an undrafted free agent for the Minnesota Vikings. He was the the straw that stirred the drinks uh, uh, defensively for the the University of Cincinnati outside of Sauce Gardner. And Mm -hmm. and he was excellent uh, this year for the Vikings. And they they, they got a steal. They got got an absolute steal on Ivan Pace Jr. You got to love it. And, uh, you know, he turns out, finishes out at number six. This was, I, I think, the, the he, he was six earlier on in the year. This was, I think, the highest he's been on this list. He finishes strong, and he, he gets in our rookie rankings and, and uh, was, was one of those guys fighting for, for the uh, rookie of the year spot. So kudos to him mm-hmm. as a drafted free agent. Uh, number yeah. five, a guy we love, Alex, I know you love. <laughs> I love Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher for the Houston Texans out of the University of Alabama. A lot of Alabama players on this list. A lot of Bama guys coming out. They they showed up and showed out this year. Uh, Will Anderson, 81.8 pro football focus grade, a 77.3 run defense grade, 77.3 pass rush grade. He struggled in run defense versus Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor went off in that game. He, yeah, he was nuts. Yep, he still finished with a strong tackling grade in that game and a strong pass rush grade per PFF. He finishes the year with the eighth highest overall grade by an edge defender and had 59 total pressures, which is the fourth highest by a rookie since 2006. Uh, (laughs) Will Anderson, something else, man. Listen, we keep talking about it, that one-two punch, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, the best one-two punch in draft history. Uh, I, I think it may be a little hard to top. Yeah, it's, it was an excellent move by the Texans. They got their guys, and they rounded out their team and created stars. I mean, that's what it is. And and now the Texans have a really great opportunity here to, to build around this team. And they still have a first-round draft pick this year, believe it or not, even though they're <laughs> They still have a first fucking rounder. I couldn't believe it. So the the Texans wind up getting another guy on that list. Number four goes to Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle for the Eagles out of the University of Georgia. He finishes out with an 89 PFF grade, a 68.4 run defense grade, 85.9 pass rush grade. He finishes season with five hurries and five pressures and per pro football focus only fell 0.7 
on their grading scale short of surpassing Aaron Donald's rookie overall grade of 90.5. Per PFF, Carter sits there, set the rookie record for the pass rush win rate with a 17.7% and uh, the highest rookie pass rush grade with an 85.9. You know, Boots, mm-hmm. we, we have our questions about, about uh, Jalen Carter, okay? Mm-hmm. We got questions. But at the end of the day, Jalen Carter is, you know, the, the bee's knees. He's the real deal. And mm-hmm. and our our we would be remiss if we didn't if we didn't acknowledge how spectacular he's been. Especially, you know, he started the year. You know, we, we had him on this list, but he was very limited in the, in his snaps and and what he was doing. At one point, he was sitting in in the honorable mentions really early. But then he comes on and and gets starts taking on a full workload. And ever since he started taking on a full workload, he has been excellent. Jalen Carter deserves all the credit in the world. He winds up as four on this list. Kudos to him. Uh, and and he winds up, you know, sitting around here just looking damn good. So you got to give him credit. Um, number three, Rashi Rice, man. Bootleg B team. Yeah, bootleg B team, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs out of SMU, 85 PFF grade, 85.1 receiving grade, a 60 rushing grade. He didn't play in week 18 due to the Chiefs clinching a playoff spot. He finishes the season with the eighth highest rookie receiving grade in pro football uh, PFF history uh, in the history Mm -hmm. of the pro football focus. Uh, Rushy Rice, man, he's been Mm -hmm. special. He's become Patrick Mahomes' de facto number one uh, after Travis Kelsey fails to shake it off this year. And, you know, here we are, you know, and, and uh, you know, and Patrick, still makes me chuckle. He's, he's got a blank, blank space and he's going to write Rasheed Rice's name as his number one target. So uh, like that, more, more Taylor Swift references, uh. yeah. Yeah. but uh, Rasheed Rice, man, rock and roll to him. He winds up as number three. And this is where now, things now we get to. Now we get to the nitty gritty here. The two way tie. Yep. Then, and also, by the way, a guy that fell off our list. Because of the great, and it was is nothing that had to do with with him, as much as it had to do with the great performances of the guys that wound up finishing on this list was Sam Laporta. Laporta oh, fell yeah. considerably off this list, um, you know, and and it just had to do with the great performances from all these guys being listed. Laporta had been high on this list for a while, and he fell a little bit in the last couple of weeks and fell completely off the list. He should probably be, and and I I didn't list him, but he should have been. Probably number one in our honorable mentions group there. Uh, so he had himself a damn good year. Um, but we get to the 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 nitty gritty, and this is where it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have our and, and I mark these guys as one A and one B because this decision hasn't been made, and we've been having a pissing match over this for for the last two weeks now, <laughs> by the last several weeks, and and Boots is very big, and and I'm also both these guys would be deserving okay one, absolutely we'll start with one b goes to cj stroud the quarterback for the houston texans out of ohio state he had an 82.8 pff grade a 79.4 passing grade a 76.3 rushing grade he put on a classic performance versus a very tough colts defense he takes the texans from the texans from the second worst to the afc south division champions finish as the sixth highest graded rookie passer in pro football focus history had himself a fantastic year. I give C.J. Stroud all the credit in the world, um, and I yep. have maneuvered him up to 1B because I do feel like after that performance versus the Colts, he deserves a ton of credit for, for the, way, the way he handled himself and the way he handled that football game. 
Yep, and here are my reasons why C.J. Stroud should be Rookie of the Year. He, he Again, as we've mentioned, he took a much maligned Texas team from almost dead last to the playoffs and the AFC South Championship. Now, granted, most that is because the the the, the Jaguars choked at the finish line. So you really have to give the, he really has to write the Jaguars a thank you card for getting the Texans the South Division title. So, but he's he still clinched a playoff spot late. You know, he, he clinched a playoff spot in Week 18. And he did that on his own merit. So that that is to be, and he's the best quarterback out of the draft. You know that we 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 haven't had any questions about that. Very pro ready. You know, has an arm like a gunslinger. And uh, he now here's here's my gimmick here. He led the team to a division title and a playoff spot in spite of his injuries. While this does affect his availability, which is a big word here on this show. I feel that the bounce back near the end of the season and in week 18 speaks more to his reliability. He is very reliable as a quarterback in the most important position in football. So, you know, this this performance may very well catapult him to the podium. It may very well. Now, number one, a goes mm-hmm. to guy and this is this is my guy that i think he should be the rookie of the year is puka nakua the wide receiver poo poo he winds up out of byu uh 87.9 pff grade 85.1 receiving grade 83.8 rushing grade he finishes his rookie year with the fourth most receiving yards in the entire league and sets the rookie receptions record with 105 which is currently eighth in the league for 2023 uh, or for the 23-24 season Per Pro Football Focus, and I quote, the fifth rounder out of BYU racked up a record-setting 38 receptions of 15 yards or more, passing up the incredible rookie seasons from both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, which is very very big-time company to be in. Oh, yes, very, very exclusive company there. So, And here are my reasons as to why Puka Nakua should be Rookie of the Year. First and foremost, he played all 18 games. So again, availability and reliability. He is also the number three receiver in all of football, not just amongst rookies. And he set records as a rookie, as we mentioned before. And look, here's here's an intangible. Nobody heard of this kid until week one when the Rams stomped the Seahawks. When I first heard that name, I was like, who? And then we found out just who the hell he is. And again, he's both available and reliable. He is one of Matthew Stafford's favorite targets. So again, I, I, you know, it just comes down to those two words, availability and reliability. And the fact that, you know, he, he's mentioned in the same breath as Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson, the fact that he was picked up in the fifth round. And the fact that this kid took a much maligned, you know, well, with help of others, he t- they took a much maligned Rams franchise that we thought was cooked, and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, 
I've, I've got some digging to do, and I, I really have to struggle. This is going to be a hard decision for me to make because, again, I'm charged with the very important decision to put the rose in the final rose in the wreath and hang it over the winner. So next week on this show, we will I will identify live on air who the rookie of the year is for the outside blitz. Yep, and that's it. I mean, really, for me, I, I, I'm much. I'm pounding the table for Puka Nakua. Boots is is pounding the table for C.J. Stroud. I mean, we and really, for me, I, it doesn't matter for me, really. And and I don't think mm. it matters to Boots either, because at the end of the day, both these guys are very much deserving. Um, and and I, I think that that uh, uh, you know both both deserve credit in, in this situation. Uh, we've we've had several. Um, Excellent rookie of the year uh, uh, players. I mean, over the course of the last several years, and interesting ones to say the least. Because, you know, for me, you know, for example, one year it was Creed Humphrey, the the center from the Kansas City Chiefs. And kids, who know? You know what? Who knows? You know, uh, let me ask this question: Should should I also consider their performances in this weekend's playoff games? And that that could be another thing, and that that could set the whole thing off, right? Both guys. Mm-hmm. Both- both end not cutting time, right? That that could change everything. So, and we got could. We, in, in the next four hours or four and a half hours, we got a playoff game getting ready to start. I mean, it and it's could, and it's CJ Stroud and, and the Texans hosting the Cleveland Browns. Yep. So we we could see how that works out. You'll have to wait until uh, tomorrow night to see the the Rams and the Lions in in prime time and Sunday night football. That'll be a good one. But hey, you know what? It's it, you could see CJ Stroud today and that's going to be a great game. So get ready for that. And, uh, that's our rookie rankings. Now, Alex, let's move into the news, man, mm-hmm. man, black. Hey, Monday. They, they call it black Monday for a reason, kids. Yeah. Black Monday came and went, uh, the coaching carousel has started and, uh, whoo, 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 buddy. House cleaning. Yeah. A lot, a lot of house cleaning going on. Um, Let's start with the elephant in the room because there is an elephant in the room. Uh, the Patriots, they mutually part ways with head coach Bill Belichick after 24 seasons and six Super Bowl victories. They, in turn, they promote former linebacker, the former Patriots inside linebacker coach and assistant coach Jared Mayo as the new head coach. Jared Mayo, we know him also from his playing career as an inside linebacker. Uh I'm I'm surprised by a few things. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they possibly didn't give Belichick one more year. I'm surprised in the fashion that this kind of went down because you can tell there's a little bit of animosity the way that Robert Kraft was talking about Bill Belichick and and certain quotes that have come out from Robert Kraft in regards and you know uh Kraft said, well, Bill told me that uh, at one point it was, and, and this is strictly rumor and innuendo, I guess, but uh, one report came out and said that Robert Kraft said, well, Belichick told me that Tom Brady was done and that he couldn't play anymore. And the next year, Tom Brady went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, yeah, there, there's those types of things that, that, um, you know, I feel like there is a degree of animosity there. I feel like there is a little bit of, of uh, um, I, I don't know, like almost like a little bit of bad blood, but not. not this almost sounds like a Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson situation. Yeah, it, it kind of is heading that route. Like the relationship just sort of soured in a way. 
And and look, on one end, I get it because Bill Belichick over the course of the last several years since Tom Brady left has not been good. He is. Mm-hmm. It, this is like the this is Browns level Bill Belichick stuff, right? And right. At the same time, you know, Bill Belichick's one of the most decorated head coaches of all time. Yep. And 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 you you begin to wonder because these last couple of years have really damaged his legacy a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, you won six Super Bowl titles, but as soon as Brady left, the wheels fell off and, and it, it really damages Belichick's reputation and it, it really damaged his legacy in a way he's, he goes down as the, uh, I think the winningest head coach in history, but we, we end up. You put a little tiny asterisk down there because again, you, you, we're talking about the goat here, Tom yep. Brady. <laughs> Here, here I go again with the animal noises, but really it's like, you know, he's Tom Brady, you know, how do you underestimate a talent like that? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And, and Bill Belichick, he'll, he'll go down as, as right now he's, he's going to go down and he is going down as the Patriots head coach of you know greatest head coach of all time. Right. Most oh, yeah. of the greatest head coach of all time. He's probably a hall of famer. He'll have a bust in Canton. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I, I just, I can't help but look over and say, man, how much of that was Brady? And and it's it's looking yeah. like, like a lot of it was. And so And then you had the, you know, Deflate Gate, Spygate, all yeah. those scandals, you know. There's there was yeah. a lot of lot of questions involving old Billy Belly. Um, yeah. but at the end of the day, Belichick leaves and there are teams currently trying to scout him as their new head coach. So mm, he, I don't know about that are and, and the, it's crazy so people are looking at him he could wind up back in the league in spite of the fact that that you know he just got let go by the patriots i mean who knows we could see belichick roll back around and do, do you okay let's just play hypothetical let's play devil's advocate let's say the dolphins take a dump against the chiefs a frozen dump <laughs> and yeah. they get and they get rid of mike mcdaniel who, you know, I don't think he's a bad head coach. I think you know, he could really flounder. But let's just say they get rid of Mike McDaniel. Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't the Dolphins pick up Bill Belichick? We could have another division rival here. Well, here's the things that are that are kind of setting off alarms to me, that there there are teams like Atlanta who needs a head coach. Right. As reported, the teams that's kind of in the mix. You, you could see a situation where he goes to, say, <sighs> Vegas. You could see a situation, and, and right now Seattle has has an opening now. I mean, you could see that, and and these are ready-made teams in a way. I mean, the Raiders are sort of a ready-made team. Atlanta is really about a quarterback and a head coach away. Yeah, I'm just going. "Mm, This could get interesting. The Seahawks, for example. I mean, and so Seahawks and head coach Pete Carroll. This is another one. uh, They mutually agreed to move Carroll to the front office. He's now in an advisory position, and they begin their search for a new head coach. I mean, imagine Bill Belichick going over there. I mean, and and the Seahawks haven't really done any interviews yet. This is all pretty fresh. But uh, Mm. Pete Carroll ends up not being the head coach. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that they moved on from Pete Carroll. I'm surprised that they moved it. I'm not surprised that they kept him in the front office as an advisor. Um, I'm surprised they moved on from Pete Carroll because he still has a lot of gusto at 72 years old. Yeah. And he's still still a very competitive spirit. Yeah. So a competitive dude and he's a great head coach uh, i'm surprised they moved on from him uh and then he gets him a super bowl and and got him over the the hump there for a while they're perennial contenders 
Um, surprised by the fact that the Seahawks moved on from him, but I could see Belichick possibly getting hired over there. That could be a thing. So at the end of the day, you know, the, the, uh, Seahawks and the, and, and I, I'm more surprised by Pete Carroll. That was the big surprise to me. Um, a few of these other head coaches getting let go are not so much surprises. Uh, and, and another one that gets let go is Titans. They go out and fire their head coach, Mike Vrabel after five seasons, you know, mm-hmm. was kind of on the hot seat for a minute there, and right. it it finally happened. You know, like right. it it finally went out and happened. He goes well, out. Well, you know, well, you you basically bounced from the playoffs early. You have a much maligned team. You know, Derrick Henry doesn't want to stay in town. You know, it it was time. Yep, and and in his prime, he wound up being you know a a. Uh, having a team that participated in the AFC championship game a few years back. We remember that. And they wound up getting beat by the chiefs. Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. but you know, uh, other than that, you know, he's been bounced from the playoffs pretty early. Usually it's divisional round exits, you know, Derrick Henry, you you have a guy like Derrick Henry and you're not getting it done. They still never went on, got their quarterback in the future, which is a problem. You know, mm-hmm. like never, you, you stuck with Ryan Tannehill and you went, was not an elite quarterback. Yeah, you went and picked up Will Levis. Huh? <laughs> you know, and then I'm still not sold on, and and Boots, for whatever reason, loves Malik Willis. I'm not sold on Malik Willis out of Liberty. I never was. So it's just bad. It just mm-hmm. looked bad. You didn't go out and improve your quarterback position, and that's what killed you. And then on top of it, you guys made the uh, made the choice to trade A.J. Brown away and draft Traylon Burks, and that didn't <laughs> either. I mean, it, it was just, it became a nightmare scenario for the Titans. They move on from Mike Vrabel after, after this horrible season they just had, finishing out 6-11. and 11. And the Titans are already conducting interviews. Uh, they've interviewed Raiders interim head coach Antonio Pierce for their new head coaching position this weekend. Um, and they're also completing an interview, or they completed an interview with Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka for their head coaching position the team announced on Friday. So, I mean, the Titans are already out on the prowl, looking around, trying to find themselves uh, uh, their new head coach. And and really, I mean, I could see Antonio Pierce, but, you know, I, I think Antonio Pierce is one of those guys that I think he, even though the Raiders played for him, and I get it, I think he's kind of more of a DC and he's going to need more time to be a defensive coordinator than a head coach. I think he would be a great fit with Tennessee as a defensive coordinator. They have a ready-made defense with a lot of good linebackers and, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of good, like, edge rushers. Their front seven is tremendous. Uh, they, they do need some more corners over there, I think. But, I mean, ultimately, I think he would be a better D.C. in Tennessee than he would be a head coach. I don't think he should be the head coach really anywhere right now, especially not for the Raiders. I think the Raiders have other things uh, um, on their mind as far as their head coaching position goes, um, they did interview him, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. Speaking of the Raiders, they are making moves at their general manager position. Uh, they interviewed Colts assistant general manager, Ed Dodds and the bills director of player personnel, Terrence gray for their vacant, uh, GM position, starting with, uh, Ed Dodds, you know, the, the Colts have made some pretty damn good moves in the last couple of years here. Uh, Anthony Richardson being one of those guys, Michael Pittman, you know, they, they all kind of, um, and, and finding Pittman as late as they did, by the way, in the third round, finding a guy like Michael Pittman, who Tyler and I on this show also said was going to be a great draft pick. And he turned out to be a great draft pick. 
Um, Jonathan Taylor, another guy, you know, he's been responsible for, for um, uh, helping put together a, a pretty damn good football team for the, the Colts. Um, so Ed Dodds, I think, would be an excellent selection. Also, the Bills director of player personnel, Terrence Gray. Terrence Gray, I mean, think about all the studs that Bills have the Bills have created or gotten in the last couple of years. Uh, I think that's a, an excellent move. It, that would be definitely not a lateral move for them. You know, this would be an excellent move to to uh, uh, get a, a a seasoned director director of player personnel and a seasoned guy that understands the front office. He'd be a really good GM, GM I think, in Terrence Gray. Uh, so the Raiders, they, they're they conducting interviews. Um, they also uh, interviewed interim general manager Champ Kelly today for their vacant GM position as well. So they they, they have uh, um, they have their options. I don't think Champ Kelly's the answer, to be honest with you. And I don't think you've seen enough out of Champ Kelly to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a great GM for our team. You know, so right. I, it looks like the Raiders are are looking for their new GM. And generally speaking, when you find a new GM, they're going to want to hire their own guy as a head coach. I don't think Antonio Pierce winds up as the head coach with the Raiders. I really do think they're going to wind up, you know, hiring their GM and the GM is going to do the head coaching search. And Antonio Pierce is probably not in, you know, the discussion at that point in my mm. I, I think this is a mistake, but again, you know, who's to say Antonio Pierce couldn't be a head coach somewhere else or at least a coordinator. Yeah. I think as a defensive coordinator, I think that's kind of where he needs to be. I think he's more suited for that right now. I don't know that he's completely ready for a head coaching position. And I mean, the Raiders, yeah, they played for him, but I, there's still some, a little bit of malfeasance on the field. I think, you know, it's, it's mm. just not always, not always uh, uh, the best ball that we've seen out of the Raiders, obviously. And I get it. Aiden Go- it's Aiden O'Connell and company. But at the end of the day, Aiden O'Connell is an upgrade from Jimmy G. And, of course. Uh, I mean, but that's kind of like saying, you know, a stab wound's better than a gunshot wound. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I just, I look at it and I kind of go, I don't know if Pierce is, is prepared to be the head coach of this football team. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's, he, he just reads to me more like a DC right now. I think he mm-hmm. needs experience as a coordinator before we start talking about be, him being a head coach. Um, so, you know, he might, I don't think he's going to be in the discussion, whoever winds up being the GM. And I think that's like the Raiders right now, they're looking for their GM, but most GMs when they get hired, they're looking for their guy. And mm-hmm. yep, that's, that's what this is going to wind up becoming. They're going to wind up looking for their guy. And you might, I mean, we've seen that several times in the past, you know, and they're going to find their guy. So get ready for that. Um, also, another guy getting fired here, uh, and, and this one was well-deserved, Falcons fire head coach Arthur Smith after three seasons. Um, and, and in turn, the Falcons went out and interviewed Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald for their head coaching position, the team announced on Friday. That, that would be a hell of an upgrade. Yeah, first and foremost, we'll start talking about Arthur Smith. Uh, Arthur Smith deserved to get fired. This guy had no idea what the hell he was doing. Didn't know how to utilize uh, um, talent. You know, he he had Bijan Robinson on his football team. He could have used him as a bowling ball, and he he didn't do it. 
No, you know, it, it's gob, it's it's gobsmacking to me. Now, if you if you sit there and and take a look, I mean, we might do it. We're gonna. I'm proposing to do a deep dive on uh on the statistics. A fun little segment we could do is Bijan versus Jameer, uh, Jameer Gibbs. But I mean, if we just take if we just take a quick peek at Bijan Robinson's statistics, um, you know, if I could find if I could find him, uh, you know, this year, you know, he had. He had 976 rushing yards and 487 receiving yards. So, you know, he's, he's, he almost made a thousand yards in spite of Arthur Smith, not knowing how, how to use him. I mean, early on in the season, he was great. 105, 46, you know, at 62 against Tennessee, 95 against Arizona. And then his, his production just started dropping off. And against New Orleans in the last game of the season, when you have a chance to, sh- to, to the playoffs, he only got 28 yards on the ground for 11 carries. What let's, are you doing? Let's be fair. You know, he only had 11 carries, but he also had 75 yards through the air in that game. So, I mean, yep. he is being used, but like, he was being used in certain points during that game. But I, I just, you know, he had seven receptions. I mean, it, here's my thing. You look at, at as soon as I see the pack versus the Packers, 19 carries for 124 yards, I'm, I'm giving this guy 25 carries a game. I don't give a yep. fuck. I'm giving him 25 carries. I don't understand splitting carries with Tyler Algier. I don't understand. Where, where, what the hell am I missing here? This guy should have double-digit touchdowns. This guy should have over 1,000 yards. This guy should have damn near 300 carries. Why are you only giving him 214 carries on the year? It does not make sense. And, and this is and, – and here we go, Alex – Say it with me. This is an organizational, organizational failure. Exactly what it is. And and this is this is nonsense. You pick up a mm-hmm. guy, seventh overall, and you don't use him. It's dumb. It makes no sense. If you yeah. work to use him and you're working to make him your number one back, don't draft him. Go find right. your quarterback of the future. Go get your guy. But don't sit here and go and pick up a, a running back seventh overall and not use him. Just yeah, and, it's, and, un- it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's malfeasance. Yeah, and and then uh, on top of it, he goes out and 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 doesn't get his quarterback of the future. When we realized a while ago that Desmond Ritter wasn't the guy, you you don't go get a, another quarterback. You just you ride out Desmond Ritter. He did this to himself. Arthur Smith mm. did this to himself. He deserved to be fired. He was a bad head coach. He's a he's this is one of those guys who's a better coordinator than a head coach. Arthur Smith is a good offensive line coach. Arthur Smith is a good run game coordinator. Arthur Smith is the kind of guy that that should be doing that or, or even being an offensive coordinator because he was a good offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And, and he does just a really old school run heavy scheme. And that's OK. That's fine. But if you're going to do that, you still need to have a good quarterback that can at least be an elite game manager and deliver the football to receivers and and realistically he didn't do that here he didn't create that situation here atlanta fired him and he deserved to be shit canned and other and and then elsewhere the falcons are doing the right thing they're they're uh, you know interviewing mike mcdonald for their head coaching position mike mcdonald has been an excellent defensive coordinator uh for for the ravens over the course of the last couple of years uh, ever since wink martindale got let go i like this a lot and if i'm the ravens I'm shitting bricks because this Mike McDonald's a great DC mm-hmm. and defense has been lights out. So, Hey, I'm here for it. 
Of course you're for it. Yeah, and you know, and Tyler's you know kind of sitting in the fetal position. You know, he may say so, but he may say he's not. But I'm definitely concerned if I'm a Ravens fan because what have we said all year? The Ravens probably have one of the best defenses in football, and Mike McDonald's a big reason for it. Yeah, and and that's that's a big thing, you know. And Wink Martindale for years he had he had himself a, a really uh, a good defense over there with the Ravens, you know. And then he seems like he kind of lost touch. We'll talk about Wink Martindale in a second, but you know he he winds up getting let go by the Ravens. They go pick up McDonald. McDonald does a really good job for them as a DC, and and he's been good. I mean, the Ravens defense has been lights out. I'm here for it, and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDonald as a head coach would be an excellent pickup for the Falcons. We'll see what they do, but I think that would be a really smart move on their end. Um, speaking of head coaches getting let go, let's talk about it. The commanders, they go out and fire head coach Ron Rivera after three years, uh, you know, riverboat Ron going bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we saw it was coming. I mean, the, the new, there are new owners in, you know, I'm amazed they kept him around to the end of the season, but really it's, it's just time to clean house. They clean house on the defensive side. I mean, they traded away Montez sweat. They traded away chase young and you know, the, the defense was a shell of its former self and Sam Howell, while he was, you know, decent as quarterback. He's not the answer down there. So it's really time to build this team from the ground up. And this ownership team has an opportunity to do that now. Yeah, they have an opportunity. They did get some extra draft picks by trading away those those top tier players, trading away sweat, trading away young. They got some second rounders and they got some later round picks from day three. Uh but if you if you know Ron Rivera gone and and really a lot of this falls, a lot of the the lack of success for those guys falls on the general manager, Martin Mayhew, who they haven't announced the fate of yet, but the commanders are reportedly attempting to hire the 49ers assistant GM, Adam Peters, as their new Uh-oh. GM. That's, uh, now that's interesting. Yeah, Adam Peters has was notorious for, for uh, building that that 49ers team that you see today, and, and uh, he, was, he was a huge part of that. And the commander- That would be a huge coup if they could pull that off. Even more so a huge coup, the Commanders also hired ex-NBA executive and architect of the Golden State Warriors dynasty, Bob Myers, and they hired the ex-Vikings general manager, Rick Spielman, to help run the franchise. These are Mm. all hard, strong moves by the Washington Commanders. I actually this direction a lot. You mean to tell me you want to bring in Rick Spielman, who is not a bad GM? Okay. No, he wasn't. He he was instrumental in bringing in you know a lot of great players, you know, uh, right before uh, Kwesi Dafomensa took over. Yeah, I mean, Rick Spielman is responsible for Justin Jefferson. Let's not forget that. I mean, so Spielman is a good GM, and they, you know, uh, uh, you know, you you go out and you get the ex NBA executive and a guy that that you know built the Golden State Warriors of, of the last you know decade here, who have been phenomenal. I understand it's basketball, but this guy has an eye for talent and he has an eye for the analytics. Clearly, he knows something. Uh, So that could be really good. Bob Myers might have an idea of how to fix this football team. You're right. The commanders are going to have to build this from the ground up. And it starts with the general manager and then it goes to the head coach. And then these guys got to come together and they got to get everything situated in the draft. But the commanders making moves here. Uh, they are going to be looking for their new head coach and general manager. I think. I think Martin Mayhew's time is is about up. They just haven't announced it yet. Um, mm-hmm. 
the the Eagles right now are considering firing head coach Nick Sirianni after the Eagles' most recently recent late season meltdown that resulted in in losing five out of their last six games. Real quick, if the Eagles lose to the Buccaneers on Monday night, uh, that will be a definite, not a talk about. Yeah, I, I think he's gone if they lose. And and this oh, yeah. is, I, I think he realizes his job is on the line. And, and if he wins, I think he's still got only about a 50-50 shot of keeping his job. If they, you, if, you basically, it's Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. if you, if you And if, I don't if, see them getting to the Super Bowl. If he makes it to the NFC title game, I don't think they can fire him, and I don't think they will. Mm. But if he ends up, you know, if he ends up going to, uh, um, you know, just the divisional round and then getting stomped, mm. having Bye-bye. a conversation about whether or not Nick Sirianni has a job. So, especially, especially if let's say uh, the Lions win against the Rams and the Cowboys win against the Packers and the Eagles beat the Bucks. You know, now now uh, the lowest seed, the Eagles have to take a trip to San Francisco in the divisional round. Yeah, that's a paddling. Yeah, it's going to be a beating. So I mean, and and we got to see it. So I mean, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna find out whether or not Nick Sirianni is going to be you know getting a boot in the ass out the door pretty soon here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get ready for that one. Uh, also, we we've got uh, a few. Um, a few uh, coordinators going out the door. First and foremost, the Jags fired their defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, and his entire staff after two seasons. Uh, you know? Well. <laughs> after what happened uh, last week with Derrick Henry doing basically whatever the hell he wanted, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not even surprised. I'm not even going to pretend to be surprised. No. Yeah. Uh, well, and here's the deal, too. I mean, it cost you a division championship and a trip to the playoffs. Yep, I, I'm with you there. I I think that 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 was just it, it needed to happen. It needed to happen, and and someone was about to get fired for that. And and it sure as hell wasn't going to be Doug Peterson. So I mean, not yet, not yet anyway. I, uh, I don't think Doug Peterson's on the the uh, the chopping block. I think Doug Peterson. He's is, he's got one more year to prove he can turn this team around. But definitely the def- the defense definitely needs to get overhauled. And and he did turn the team around in a big way, I think, in the last two seasons. Yeah. But you know, the defense did well, talk. Well, definitely since the Urban Meyer days, hundred percent. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like night and day, right? But, you know, and and I, I think Doug Peterson's a great coach. They just they really got to get a better defensive coordinator, and they got to get a be- some more defensive parts. Um, the mm-hmm. offense is great, but they got to get more defensive parts for that team. So you you got. Uh, um, you really got to think about who their new DC is going to be over there. One guy I don't think it'll be is uh, Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. He did resign from the Giants this last week. Um, the Giants also did a little house cleaning. They fired their outside linebacker coach Drew Wilkins and their defensive assistant Kevin Wilkins. Um, just bye bye to them and and the Giants. You know, going to revamp this defense completely, which they need to do. Their defense hasn't been spectacular this year. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's needed to happen. It yep. needed to happen. They're just, they're cleaning house. But then also, um, the giants already started interviewing other folks for that defensive coordinator situation. They have just interviewed Raven secondary coach, Denard Wilson for their vacant DC position. I actually like this a lot. The Ravens have notoriously had really good defensive backs over there. And, mm-hmm. 
Oh, Gino Stone is a great example of that. Gino Stone, and, and he did get hurt, by the way, recently. But Gino Stone, as a safety, came out of nowhere. Out of fucking nowhere. There have been so many guys for that Ravens secondary that I'm like, Who? Who the hell was is that? That guy was on the team? Yeah, How, who the hell is that guy, and why is he playing so well? And, and <laughs> I, you know, there's been a few guys. And Gino Stone, it's funny, Gino Stone was one of them where – he was like an undrafted dude. And I mentioned him to Tyler. I'm like, well, you got Geno Stone back there. He's playing really well. He's like, Geno Stone's a fucking nobody. Bah, 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 bah. But then Geno mm-hmm. wound up being a starter for them because he's been <laughs> so good. And a lot of that is a credit to Denard. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give him uh, a credit where credit's due. And it might be time for a promotion, might be time for an upgrade. And the upgrade would be the DC for the New York football giants and a big market. That might be the way to go. So uh, we might see that. Uh, also, the uh, the Panthers making some moves when it comes to their general manager. Panthers fired their GM, Scott Fitterer, after three seasons. Yeah, that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was new ownership, time to clean out the broom closet. I mean, the owner himself needs to clean up, clean up his act. Yeah. But, you know, throwing drinks at people. But really, really, this whole team needs to be. I mean, they have their quarterback. Now they just need to get an offensive line. Because really, if Bryce Young got protected with, with that investment, you know, we'd be having a little bit of a different conversation. That kid got thrown to the wolves. All right. And it's time it's time to really like knuckle down and build this team up. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And and Fitterer, you know, to his credit, I, I think he did a really good I, I like Bryce Young, and I think he could be a good quarterback in this league, but if he doesn't have an interior offensive line that is going to be able to open up those throwing lanes for him, he's gonna struggle for his whole career. And Fitterer, you know, I keep I've made this this analogy over and over again for the last several weeks. You bought the Ferrari and you didn't stick it in the garage. You right. left it downtown Detroit with the keys in the ignition. And and that's that's what he did. And and every time that that Ferrari has gotten a hell beat out of it because he left it in downtown Detroit with the keys in. So and the wallet mm-hmm. in the seat. You know, I mean it's just it is what it is. And and now Bryce Young, you know, got beat up on and he didn't get any throwing lanes and he wasn't effective like he was at, at Alabama, and we wonder why. Well, this mm-hmm. is, you know, you have a you have a guy that that, you know. He, he, he stood back there at at five foot nine and got the hell beat out of him. I right. I, I don't understand it. it doesn't it's, mal, it's malpractice for crying out. It's malpractice. Organizational feel, failure on the sort of fitterer there, and yep. uh, you know he winds up getting let go. They're going to start looking around for their new GM, and I'm I'm sure that that they're going to be talking about uh, you know who their guy is going to be. Another team that's looking for a new GM is the L.A. Chargers. Uh, they requested an interview the Giants general manager or assistant general manager Brandon Brown, the Bills director of player personnel Terrence Gray, the Saints vice president and assistant general manager for college personnel Jeff Ireland. All of those guys got interviews for their vacant um, GM position over there. I would go with the guy from the Bills. I mean, <laughs> the, the Giants one's kind of suspect, but I mean, we don't know. Uh, but I mean, it just sounds to me like, you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to get a guy, you know, hire a guy from the successful organization. Yeah, exactly. And, and also they're making moves looking for their new head coach, but I think this should be a general manager thing that they, you know, they should get the GM first, get the GM and have the GM get his guy. Yeah. And, and, but they, they are interviewing the right people. I'll give them credit for that. First and foremost, 
um, they they uh, requested to interview Dan Quinn, uh, who I mean, as the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, has been tremendous. They also and also Micah Parsons mentioned that he might go with Dan Quinn if Dan Quinn skips town, which that'll be a huge problem for the Cowboys next year if that happens. Right. And then uh, he's also uh, they've also interviewed Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris for their head coaching position. Morris was a hot uh, coaching candidate last year. He didn't wind up getting one of the head coaching jobs. He winds up staying as the head or the defensive coordinator with the uh, L.A. Rams. He could very well wind up being the new head coach over there. They also completed an interview with their current interim head coach, Giff Smith, for the head coaching position. Um, and then also, this one really caught my eye, and uh, I think that that they, I think he's the best candidate. The Chargers completed an interview with the Ravens' offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, for that head coach. Oh boy! And uh, if I was, uh, if I'm Tyler and I'm the Ravens, I'm shitting bricks watching. Mm-hmm watching these coordinators get looked at for these head coaches. This is basically exactly the same situation that happened to the Philadelphia Eagles where they lost their top two coordinators. And the only difference is the, the Ravens are a better organization than the Philadelphia Eagles, at least on paper, but still, yeah, this would be a major coup if the, uh, if the chargers could get a hold of Todd Botkin, because then he could really polish up Justin Herbert and really get him firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I really think he could, and and really, I, I I'm surprised that they haven't interviewed Kellen Moore for that head coaching position. I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary blame that's been directed toward Kellen Moore for the the issue that took place. You know, as far as uh, the meltdown for the Chargers this year, Kellen Moore, <laughs> that was Brandon Staley, and you already canned him anyway. So yeah, and, and Kellen Moore wasn't the problem. It's a little disappointing, uh, you know, to to hear that Kellen Moore isn't getting you know the looks that. He he deserves as a head coach. He should be well, a head somebody coach. else could pick him up. Yeah, and he should he should be picked up by by somebody as a head coach. Uh, also, the Bears went and did some house cleaning too. They went up, well. First of all, let's talk about this, and this one will interest you, Alex. Uh, multiple teams are contacting Michigan Wolverines head coach Jim Harbaugh, including mm-hmm. the Chargers, the Bears, and the Raiders are all in the mix here for uh, Jim Harbaugh as their new head coach. Uh, Harbaugh also has a deal on the table with the University of Michigan, $125 million over 10 years. Uh, you know, so I, I'm I'm going two ways on this situation. On the one hand, Jim Harbaugh does not have any real reason to leave the University of Michigan. Here's why. He's getting all that money, number one. Number two, he'll have pretty much a auto- uh, uh, unlimited autonomy, damn near unlimited autonomy as the Michigan head coach. He'll be able to do whatever he wants, recruit the players that he wants within the rules, of course, and, you know, basically have control of his football team. But in the, but on the other side, you know, the money is at the NFL and I have to imagine that Jim Harbaugh wants another crack at a Super Bowl because he he has he's had a taste of the promised land. He took the 49ers to the to the Super Bowl, lost to his brother John, but you know he's so he's a competitor in that sense. So what's what's more appealing to him, the competition and the money or the control? And it's going to be interesting to see which way he leans. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this is. This is going to be an interesting situation, to say the least. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm it, it'll be exciting to see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I, if Harbaugh winds up going to the league, you know, obviously he can. Obviously, Harbaugh has shown Jim Harbaugh has shown that he can he can coach at a pro level. He mm-hmm. can coach at any level, and he can do it effectively and efficiently. Um, if he goes pro, you know, I I think part of him wants to go back to the NFL because I think that there's he's missing. He never got the Super Bowl, right? He won, but he never got his ring. And I think that that is one of those things that that is eluding him right now. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was so focused on coming back to the University of Michigan in spite of being courted by a lot of different uh, teams, including my Minnesota Vikings. You know, you'll never you'll never forgive him for that. No, I won't. And and, uh, you know, he he was being recruited for for that that situation. And, And here we are. You know, he goes back to the University of Michigan. He gets his his national championship. Now we're kind of looking like I would. And if if I'm the, if I'm the AD at university of Michigan, I'm doing everything in my power to keep that man because he's going to keep the big bucks rolling in. He apparently, especially since the big 10 is expanding next year, they've got Washington, they have Oregon, you know, um, USC, UCLA, you know, they're getting a bunch of perennial teams from the Pac-12. So now the Big Ten's going to become more of the bell of the ball. That bowling trophy is going to start looking more like a Stanley Cup, you know, especially with these premium teams in. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, so Jim Harbaugh getting courted by these different teams. And speaking of the Vikings, because uh, Quasi Adafo Menson is my general manager that he burned uh, and – Crazy said in regards to Kirk Cousins this year, their quarterback, he says, it's certainly my intention to have him back here. You know, I like the idea of having Kirk Cousins back on a one, maybe a two-year deal, okay? But if we're going to be talking about Kirk Cousins as a long-term solution, no. No. He's 36 years old, off an Achilles tear, off a ruptured Achilles, no. What you do is you hire him, you bring him back on a team-friendly deal for one, maybe two years, and then you say, okay, have a good one, Kirk. Thanks for teaching our new rookie quarterback, our new guy on his rookie-scale deal for a couple of years and grooming him into the great quarterback that that he needed to become. And that's what this, that's what this should become. I don't understand why it would be anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, give, and, give him a couple of years so JJ's happy so, yeah. so that he signs. Yep. That's exactly it. I 1000% agree. Make Justin Jefferson happy for another couple of years. Get Justin Jefferson to sign a long term for another five year deal. And then let's go out and get our quarterback of the future, groom him, and you turn him into the next big thing. And that's what they should do. <coughs> Give me Bone Nicks. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's dropping to 21, by the way. I mean, I think he's get, he's going top 10. Yeah, well, Bo Nix, well, the Vikings pick at 11 this year. I don't know if he's going to go top 10, but the Vikings do pick at 11. They have the opportunity to get him. They might have to come up. We're going to wait and see. But there's a few uh, uh, quarterbacks that are, you know, kind of up in the air there. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, yeah, more on that next week. Yeah. Uh, Next up, the the Bears making some moves here. You want to talk about house cleaning. Oh, boy. First Mm -hmm. of all, Bears GM Ryan Poles offers no clear decision on quarterback Justin Fields saying that we're going to do what's right for the organization. Uh, mm-hmm. This tells me that the Bears might be in the market for a quarterback, but, you know, I really think they're going to roll Justin Fields. I, I think that that there's a little misdirection going on there. I think Everflus wants Justin Fields, and I think Justin Fields has been streaky 
at certain points where he's gotten red hot, and then there's other times where he's just non-existent. They got him a weapon, just one weapon, and we saw how good DJ Moore looked this year, and he solidified himself as a number one receiver uh, and, and showed everybody that he is a true number one because he definitely, I mean, he was a number one in Carolina, but I don't think he was like a high-end one in Carolina, but now he came to Chicago and he looked like a true number one. I think if you surround Justin Fields with the proper weapons and, dare I say it, a good offensive line, we might be having right. a conversation about Justin Fields. Right. right. And I, I think if with the proper offensive coordinator, you know, get get him in rhythm kind of like they did with uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, get him get him a Todd Monken style offensive coordinator and make him more of a throwing quarterback than a running quarterback. You know, have him be that true step up in the pocket pocket passer, make plays when you have to. But if you can do that, then then, you know, we're having to, he we could probably take the bust off of his first name. Yeah, well, they did do some house cleaning. They didn't go out and get themselves a new uh, offensive coordinator, but they did some, so certainly did some house cleaning on the offensive side of the ball in the coaching department. The, the Bears go out and fire their offensive line coach, Luke Getze. They fired their quarterback coach, Andrew Janoko. They fired their running back coach, Omar Young. They fired their wide receiver coach, Tyke Tolbert. And then they fired their assistant coach, Tim Zetz. So, man, they went and cleaned house, particularly on the offensive side of the football. And to hell with a lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, the Bears going out making some hard moves. Hard mm-hmm. moves. Uh, we, we've talked about the Bears organization and how they're not you know, not that competent, but uh, you give credit where credit is due. They know where the deficiencies lie and they're just going, listen, guys, you're out of here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one guy that they're going to possibly be looking at if, in this NFL draft, if we talk about getting more weapons is a guy that just declared for the NFL draft in the last week here is Marvin Harrison, Jr. Uh, top mm-hmm. one, top wide receiver prospect in the entire country. Yeah, he is declared for the NFL draft officially. So we could see the Bears looking at Marvin Harrison Jr., and I think they are staring him down. Imagine having mm-hmm. a couple of weapons, including one that Justin Fields would be somewhat familiar with. Yeah. Harrison Jr. We were also talking about how he could possibly be great with C.J. Stroud as well. But, I mean, anybody from that those previous Ohio State classes would be perfect for Marvin Harrison. That would be a, that would be a deadly combination. Yeah, Justin Fields uh, um, could be could be spectacular with with Marvin Harrison Jr. If you get Marvin Harrison Jr. to Chicago and then you combine it with DJ Moore already being over there, now you, you've got a dangerous duo there. And Justin, Justin that could be a one A one B situation. Yeah, and it, we we saw what he can do with one weapon. <clears throat> right, and had over fifteen hundred yards. I want to see what he can do with two. Mm-hmm. I really, I want to see what he can do with two. Uh, Next up, the uh, the Eagles, man. They got some stuff going on. You, we've got a, we've got a showdown here uh, against the Bucks Wild Card Weekend. But guess what? We got some serious injuries, and we got some breaking news from the Eagles. First and foremost, yeah. Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith says he plans to stay in the game versus the Bucks in spite of his ankle injury. Okay, well he better because AJ Brown, as of uh, about maybe an hour ago ruled out 
for the game against the Buccaneers this weekend due to a knee injury. He will be red alert, red alert, red alert. If I am an Eagles fan, I am mashing the panic button. AJ Brown is basically your, your offense. Yeah. Yeah, Devontae Smith is is great, but AJ Brown's been the, the, been the bread and butter for Jalen hurts. And the fact that he's out on Monday, huge problem, Huge huge problem. Yeah, that's that's a huge issue. Smith will be in the game, but oh boy, if AJ Brown is out, this Eagles team is in trouble. And now he's been ruled out. I hope everybody is shitting bricks because. <laughs> yeah, you you are basically going from starting ten and one to dropping out of the wild card round. Oof! Nick yeah. Sirianni is probably sweating bullets right now. Yeah, it's uh, that's painful. Painful. Ugh. Um, elsewhere, we also have another, you know, we talked about this injury a little bit earlier. We'll talk about it some more. The Lions rookie tight end, Sam Laporta listed as questionable for the wild card matchup versus the Rams did that knee injury. Uh, we might not see Laporta, uh, this week. He's going to be listed as questionable for the next couple of weeks. I think I, I really do believe and and it was, it was reported kind of early, but the belief was that he was going to miss a couple of weeks. So he might miss this week, and if he does, the Lions, they're in trouble, bro. If, yeah, if, if as, as as we stated before during the rook, during the rookie rookings, you know, Sam Laporta accompany, you know, accounts for 20% of the Lions' first downs throughout the entire year. And he, he produced an NFL rookie record, 86 catches, 80, 889 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns. And listen, I mean, the fact that he's questionable at this stage is actually good news because when, again, when, when that knee went the wrong way, we thought, oh shit, he tore his ACL. The, yeah. An ACL means he's done for the season, but you know, still the fact that he's questionable is like, eh, we're still, you know, as lions fans, myself included, I am sweating bullets because you're staring down the barrel of a, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but though that Rams offense is coming for blood. Yeah, they are. They're, they are coming for blood and, and it's going to be, um, I think the lions defense better be, they, they better, better be ready, you know, prepared for, for what Matt Stafford's going to do. And, and I don't think they are, um, next up the, the Ravens speaking of tight ends. Well, this guy, he's coming back from injured reserve tight end. Mark Andrews has been cleared to return from injured reserve. He has oh boy. practice this week, the Ravens getting their basically their top guy, their top target back. Um, and Mark Andrews has been spectacular for the Ravens for years. He's one of the mm-hmm. best in football when he's healthy. I, I mean, this is, Oh yeah. I mean, listen, he's got a week to rest. Oh boy. I mean, it, if we weren't on lock about the Baltimore Ravens before <laughs> we're basically seeing the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Let, let's At just- the very least the AFC title game. As soon as I saw this headline pop up, I said, oh, the rich get richer. And that's yep. exactly what this is. The rich got richer just now. I mean, it it couldn't be any better timing for the Ravens. Right ahead of wild card weekend, your star tight end comes back into the fold. Man, that's huge for them. Um, okay, and you also want to talk about breaking news. <laughs> 25 minutes ago, uh, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has announced that the Steelers-Bills game has been moved to 4.30 p.m. on Monday. 
Oh man! Wow. Yeah. Buying them some time. Well, that <laughs> the Steelers some time, but I don't know that it really matters in this case because outside linebacker T.J. Watt has been ruled out of that game versus the Bills. Yikes. Yeah, against a Bills team that has been just exploiting defenses lately. So you won't see T.J. Watt in that game, and a very mobile Josh Allen is probably going to have a field day against that Steelers team. Last but not least, uh, and and a little bit of news here, uh, the Broncos head coach Sean Payton says that the final decision has not been made as to whether or not the team will release quarterback Russell Wilson um imagine oh boy. Th- this this is this is without a doubt the 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 biggest story as it turn as it pertains to shit shows the yeah. biggest shit show of the year you know it all it carried over from last year's horrendous season and that horrendous contract that they paid Russell Wilson but Russell Wilson basically baking turnovers and making spaghettios and spam all year last year then Sean Payton comes in and they start one and five. Then they go on a five and one tear, but then Payton makes the dumbass decision to release Ezra Evero and send him down to Carolina. And the wheels fall off the wagon on the defensive side. And the Broncos are probably, you know, I mean, there are worse teams in football, but they're, they're definitely one of the worst teams in football just because of the, this, this is the epitome of an organizational failure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, um, bringing Sean Payton in was the, the, uh, uh, biggest disaster that, that this team has experienced in a long time. Sean Payton is is in his butthole looking mouth. Right. not not just because of the fact that you hate the man i mean the the the, it's we've seen it in actual real time here he's a a straight up asshole he is Mm -hmm. he's an asshole and and in my opinion he that's what he is he's nothing more than an asshole and and you see him on the sidelines getting into screaming matches with russ wilson and i'm not going to sit here and say russ wilson has played well since he came to denver because he's been terrible but, you know, Sean Payton is, is you know, you don't scream at your quarterback on the sidelines like some arrogant douche. Some of these these uh, uh, interviews and things that Sean Payton has done trying to be Mr. Hardass or Billy Badass ever since he came in, it's it's been obnoxious. It's been so over the top and so unnecessary. You know, the guy needs to be taken down a peg. I, I don't believe in Sean Payton. I think he's an idiot. And then mm-hmm. he gets Roevro. And, and brings in his guy, and it seems like he's so focused on bringing in Saints guys. It really is reminiscent of Matt Patricia and the Patriot way. Remember that? And, yeah. And, and, that, is, that is not company you want to find yourself in. And Josh McDaniel and the, the Patriot way. You know, huh. like, you hear all about that, the Patriot way. Well, the Patriot way, news for you, sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, was Bill, it was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Okay. That's, those were the goats. Yeah, that's the Patriot way, okay? And, and really, it's Tom Brady. I mean, that's what it is. That's mm. the Patriot way. I don't even think it's so much Bill Belichick as much as it was Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and, and I just, I don't buy it, but it it's reminiscent of that. Sean mm-hmm. Payton, I think, is a disaster as a head coach. He shouldn't be a head coach for the, for the Denver Broncos. Or anywhere. Get rid of him, for Christ's sake. I, I would, put him back on the desk. Yeah. You know, he was an he was an analyst for Fox Sports a while back. Put him back on the desk. Yeah. 
Or actually, I don't know if anybody's going to like him there either. Maybe that's why they went back to coaching. I, shit, I didn't like him there. I thought he was he was an asshole. Even even in games, you know what pissed me off about Sean Payton is, you know, like, and and as a Vikings fan, you know the the arrogance that he displayed toward our franchise, the the uh, um, the Bounty Gate scandal that went on, uh, that where he he you know basically tried to uh, he did kill Brett Favre's career and and kill our season with that Bounty Gate crap. Um, you know, cost you guys an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and I I just kind of look at it, and I'm like, you know, this guy's a douchebag. But not only that, like, he does he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No, he doesn't. I think he's he's another guy that's kind of like a product of Drew Brees at this point. Like you mm-hmm. look at Sean Payton, and you look at how he struggled as as a head coach after Drew Brees left. I, I think it's silly that, that there was a movie that came out about him, like he's some sort of sympathetic character. He's then, not. Even when he was an analyst, you would look at like him, like he has such a disdain for the Vikings because those two years after the fact, the Minneapolis miracle happens, right? Yep. And during that situation, what was he doing? He's standing school, up. school, school, and then and then Case Keenum burned him. Yeah, and then he gets Case Keenum and Steph Diggs burned him and sent him home. Yep, and he's standing there with his jaw on the floor, and then and then after that he goes, you know, uh, uh, it, we we see him again in 2019, and and everybody he thinks it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to get stomped, and he's talking all this shit, and then we went out, and we beat him in overtime, and Kirk Cousins, you know, eliminated them in the wild card round, it, and they were at home on top of it, mm-hmm. in the home stadium. So he's obviously got an issue with the Vikings. And so anytime he was an analyst, anytime there would be a game like the Vikings are like, this is a shoe in, right? This is Vikings all day. And he would always take the team other than the Vikings. You know, he would mm-hmm. always take the team against the Vikings because he hates the Vikings. So, I mean, like, and you could tell he just has something against the organization. So I personally have an issue with the man, but like right. as, as a, a, just a football fan, an NFL fan, and I see this guy. Great, you got your one championship, but I think a lot of that is just a matter of Drew Brees. I think it's a product of Drew Brees, and and I don't think he deserves the credit that that he got for that situation. So, uh, Sean Payton, I think he's a bum head coach, and I hope that the Broncos get rid of him. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically where we're at. <laughs> now, now uh, moving into our our uh, picks for the week, we Alex, you you were tied with me going into last week, but you yeah. had your, a rough week, whereas I had myself one of the best weeks I've had in a long time. Um, I jump up to one sixty eight, one hundred four, and O. Alex, you're sitting at one sixty five, one hundred seven, and O. And Boots is sitting at one sixty four, one hundred eight, and O. So. Boots is one one game behind you, four games behind me. You're three games behind me, uh, and and I have taken commanding three game lead moving into the wild card round. <clears throat> and uh, still, still plenty of opportunity to catch up, but I need I need to hit home runs here. Yeah, you need to hit home runs in the especially in these next two weeks with the six games coming up in the, the wild card round. You got four games in the divisional round, and then it's just two and one. You got three games after that to try and catch me. And uh, if I if I pull away too quickly, 
I can. Yeah, uh, then then you're, you're just taking the crown. Yeah. So, but so this is exciting though. It's playoff football and you know, we, we, it, boots has notes on these games. So, um, you know, let's, let's get into it, man. It's wildcard weekend. Let's jump into our picks. Here are our picks, our predictions for wild cards. Wait, wait, wait. we got to do it right. Super wild card weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so super wild card weekend. And um, we'll just have the games on Saturday and Sunday, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I just wish they would do that. Fuck this Monday game stuff. But um, well, Although we get two games on Monday now because of the weather in Buffalo. Can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, next up, first up, the, the Texans and the Browns. Uh, they're playing in Houston here. The Texans uh, uh, really, I, I Boots takes the Texans, and his prediction on this, he says Texans win on a last-second field goal on a drive led by Stroud when they need it. I don't see Stroud lighting it up, but when it counts, he'll make the play. There it is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, uh, you know, I would say, you know, that, um, you know, when, when I set my picks earlier on, I basically picked all of the home teams this weekend. But here's the reason why I picked the, this is the closest matchup we're going to get is Cleveland and Houston. Uh, you know, you have the you have this going on and uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the, I'm trying to get to the game so I can figure out what the line is. But uh, but we have you're hosting the playoff game. You're at home, but the Browns have the better defense, and you got Joe Flacco at quarterback, and you got Amari Cooper. Everybody's all rested up, so this is the closest matchup of of the of the weekend, in my opinion, and could be the early spoiler, the early lead for a game of the week. So uh, I'm I'm pulling for the Texans. C.J. Stroud has an opportunity to catapult himself to the top of the rookie rankings, you know, and make himself cement himself as the rookie of the year. But again, this is nut cutting time. You need it, and you you really want to cement yourself as you know a franchise quarterback. This is where you do it. This is where legends are made. This is where history is made. Give me the Texans, but the Browns are going to make it huff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going the opposite direction. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched C.J. Stroud on a couple of occasions um, taking on some tough defenses, and he struggled, uh, you know, particularly against the New York Jets. The Jets really shut him down, um, you know, and, and that was the same game he wound up getting a concussion around the, the end of the third quarter. Uh, you know, and, and leading into that, that uh, um that that moment when he got his concussion, he was not playing good football. Uh, okay, oh, I, I finally got the line. Cleveland laying two. Yeah, is that it? Cleveland is favored by two. Yeah, I, I'm going with Cleveland here. And, and, you know, I like the Cleveland defense a lot. They, they really have a tendency to shut down quarterbacks. I think he just it's a young quarterback. I think Stroud's a great quarterback. But it's a young mm-hmm. quarterback taking on a really good defense. This one's going to be closer than a lot of people anticipate. Um, but I'm really, I got to go with the Browns here. Joe Flacco is playing really good ball. You got Amari Cooper and then David Njoku. Have, uh, David Njoku right now is having a career year. And Amari Cooper is having a great year with uh, Joe Flacco at the helm. Um, and Jerome Ford having himself an excellent year. You know, they're going to have to watch out for Willie Anderson and company, but I really think the Browns have this one wrapped up. Believe it or not, I'm actually, like, in, out of any team in the playoffs right now, believe it or not, I am actually rooting for the Texans more than anybody. Mm-hmm. I would 
see the Texans win this game. But that's not the name of the game here, okay? The name of the game is who do you think is going to win? And I think the Browns are going to win, although I'm rooting for the Texans. I think the Browns are going to win. It's the better defense. I know it's a way, but, hey, this is going to be a great matchup. I'm excited for it. Give me the Brownies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I think most of America is rooting for Houston at this point. It's yeah. the turnaround story of the of the year. So uh, next up, we got the Miami Dolphins going to, you know, freezing their tails off quite literally and going to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, so but let me just point this out. First and foremost, Miami had the opportunity to play in Miami. Okay? Yes, they did. They had that opportunity. All they had, really, they, if they had beaten the Titans, or if they had beaten the, the Ravens, or if they had beaten the Bills, they'd be playing in Miami. And they'd be, they, and it would be a rematch with the Bills in Miami, and you wouldn't have to worry about this freezing-ass cold and this blizzard that has come through the Midwest and all that other good stuff. You wouldn't have to deal with it. But it you did it to yourselves. You did it to yourselves. You lost all three of those games, those key games. You lost to lost those games, and now you get to go play in this frigid ass cold with, <laughs> with the snow coming down. It's zero degrees outside. The windshield's negative thirty, and now you got to go play in that at eight o'clock at night today. <sighs> and and Boots agrees. He says, "I'll never trust Miami on the road in freezing temps." The Chiefs' defense shows up. Andy Reid out coaches McDaniel. Oh. And by the way, and I totally agree with this, the Chiefs have the the Chiefs have the best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes, the second. So you know, now you really see it's really not cutting time here for Kansas City. I mean, both these teams kind of struggled down the stretch. I mean, but the but Casey's laying five, you know, at home. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, Mahomes right now is is one of those guys that. Uh, um... You know, he hasn't been playing the best ball this year. <clears throat> he really hasn't. If you look at what, what Patrick Mahomes has done, the, the turnovers and some of the, the passes he's thrown, there's been a lot of questions. But he's starting to find his stride, really making a strong connection with, with Rasheed Rice, who I think is going to wind up being great. And let's also not forget, there's a guy back there that nobody likes to talk about, and I love him, and that's Isaiah Pacheco. I mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco. The fact that I, you know, and... and I love him just as a running back, but I also loved him from a fantasy perspective because I picked him up in the late rounds of fantasy and he wound up being my RB1. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is a violent, nasty, ruthless runner. When he Seventh runs, round pick. Yep. Physical monster. When this guy get, runs the ball, he dominates. I love it. I think he's going to have himself a big game and I don't think these Chiefs care how cold it is. Give me mm. the in this one. Yeah, and Boots went with the Chiefs as well. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, almost a foregone conclusion, but we'll see. Uh, since we, we're going to change that up a little bit because of the, the change in schedule, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, next up, let, let's, let's talk about, well, since the change in schedule is happening, this means that we're only going to get two games tomorrow for Wild Card Weekend, so it's going to be two, two, and two. And they're all going to be at four thirty and eight, so so we we got time, you know. <laughs> so it's going to be kind of nice. But um, it, it, hey, okay, three straight games of days of, of football, right? I mean, I'm not a fan of the Monday the Monday stuff, although it is Martin Luther King Day, so a lot of people might have the day off, you know. And, and it is a national holiday, so you might see people getting a paid day off. I, for one, am, am getting the day off, which is fantastic. 
So the Steelers and Bills is 4.30 on Monday. So therefore, our four, next game is the Packers and the Cowboys. This one's at home in Dallas. Cowboys, I, I mean, the Cowboys at home are notoriously great. Um, the Packers, they played hot, but they played hot against a bad Bears team. Let's be real, mm-hmm. right? Uh Cowboys at home, man. They dominate. Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb have made this great connection. Jair, Jair Alexander might not play in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in this Packers team. Go ahead and give me the Cowboys. Now, and uh, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. They're laying seven. They're leaving. They're laying seven at home. They're favored. So you know, I, I it just the, it's it's home and it's the Cowboys that are the number two seed. Uh, the one thing I'll make a note of is that if anyone, if anyone is going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, it's one of two things: either the San Francisco 49ers or Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. Okay, we saw how Mike McCarthy almost choked away the game against Detroit by throwing it. It deep, you know, deep in their own end zone. When they, all they could have done was run the ball, drain the clock, walk out of there. They gave Detroit an opportunity to drive back up the field, and then the, the debacle happened with the the the, the two point conversion. But nonetheless, uh, if anyone's going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, it's the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers. That said, you know, give me the Packers. Boots is going a different way. Here's are his notes. This is personal for Green Bay. The Packer organization chose Matt LaFleur over Mike McCarthy. So am I. Boots is going with the Packers. I'm surprised by that because the Cowboys are at home. Uh, look, I, I don't really believe in, in Matt LaFleur and the things that he's doing over there. And, and look, Jordan Love, he's, he's so hot and cold. You never know which Jordan Love is going to show up. This is unlike anything that Jordan Love has faced this year. He is taking on a very tough Dan Quinn-led uh, Dallas Cowboys defense, and I don't think that the Panther or the Packers are going to be able to keep up with the Cowboys offense, especially not without Jair Alexander on the field. Cowboys all day. Um, next up, let's talk about this uh, this eight o'clock game for tomorrow: the Rams and the Lions. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> yep. Now, I understand that there is a lot of people that are very, very focused on this Lions team, and they believe that this Lions team is the real deal, and they believe that this Lions team is going to do this. I'm going the other way. Mm-hmm. I, and this is not this is not me just just being a hater, okay, folks. But I got to be honest with you. I got to level with you here. This Matt Stafford is playing some of the best football I've seen him play in a long time. This Matt Stafford has been throwing that ball effectively to the number three receiver in all of football in Puka Nakua. Yep. This Matt Stafford has been throwing the ball very effectively to Cooper Cup. This Matt Stafford has been throwing the ball very effectively to Demarcus Robinson and Tyler Higbee. And by the way, if you decide to back up and you decide to play that coverage, that man coverage play, Guess what? You're not going to win. And if you decide to play all your guys in zone and you decide to bring very mediocre blitzes, there's a young man by the name of Kyron Williams who is going to have his way with you, and he will run for 150 yards if you don't if you don't stop him. So mm-hmm. the problem here, 
And, and I don't think people realize how dangerous this Rams team is. Everybody I talk to, especially in this town, it, it, out here in the Metro Detroit area, every one of these people has written off this Rams team. They have written off Matt Stafford. They have written off uh, uh, this this Rams team as this team is just a just the sixth seed. They don't they don't need to be looked at as anything special. <laughs> that, that's foolhardy. Matt Stafford, he knows he's coming into this town. He said it himself. I know that I'm coming into town as the villain. I know that I'm coming into town as the guy that that Detroit fans have to boo and they're going to despise this weekend. And even if it's just for this weekend, he knows it. And I don't think Matt Stafford gives a shit. I think he's ready to be that villain. He's ready to be that guy. And he's ready to dash some playoff hopes. Give me the Rams and Matt Stafford's return to Detroit. He is going to waffle stomp those Honolulu Blue Turds down the drain. Give me the Rams. Yeah. Okay. And those are all very valid reasons. And, you know, you, we, you're right. We would be foolhardy as true NFL fans to write off Matthew Stafford because what has this man done? He's basically amassed a 10-7 record, and he has a 5-4 record when he's on the road. Okay. Well, he, he amassed that 10-7 record after this Rams team started, what, 1-4? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the Rams basically won the first game of the season. Then they they lost a couple. You know, they were they were looking. We we've been talking about how they were a dumpster fire last year, especially you know that Super Bowl hangover. But here we go. They're in the playoffs, and they they snuck in too. You know, uh, as the as the sixth seed, and Detroit's favored by three points, just three points here. So it's a field goal. So here's the deal. First of all, I'm putting the Homer pants on. I'm rooting for the Lions, okay? And I'm I'm picking the Lions. Here's here's my point. Go, go ahead. No, okay. well, Boots here says, yeah. finally, the Lions have come back to the playoffs. And last week, Detroit played starters deep into a game while the Rams rested key players. The Laporta injury scares me. But the Rams' offense scares me more. I'm sorry for this, Detroit, but give me the Rams. I love the coach that Dan Campbell is, and I hope he wins. But give me the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, and again, he's Boots is 100% right. This Rams' offense is very scary. I mean, you have basically one of the best d- duos in Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, plus this Puka Nakua kid came out of nowhere and set the world on fire. He has an opportunity on Sunday night to really cement his place as the rookie of the year. So, you know, and of course, they're looking to play spoiler and they're looking to get to the Super Bowl again. You know, I think, the at, okay, Dan Campbell is going to gamble and I fully expect, you know, I'm expecting, I'm waiting for him to make a dumbass decision that costs this team an opportunity to win a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. But here's the thing. This team wants it. This entire squad wants it. Dan Campbell wants it. Yes, he made questionable decisions by playing his starters last week. Yes, Sam Laporta is questionable. If he plays, it's going to be, you know, the difference between winning and losing, in my opinion. If you get Sam Laporta out on the field and he's effective, 
Detroit has a fighting chance. If if Laporte is out, then we're we're screwed. I mean, I'm, I I think you know David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs may provide you know a little bit of a cushion, but that 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 passing game by Matthew Stafford and that secondary that is of the lines that is absolute trash. It's going to be an offensive battle. It's a shootout, yeah. you know. And the light and the Rams defense, to their credit, discredit, aren't isn't that good? I mean, they have Aaron Darnold and nobody else. Yeah, and that's, right? that's another great point. Is is it's two great offenses and two bad defenses? This is going to be high score. This will mm-hmm. be high scoring affair. I yeah. just the Rams are going to score. It's, it's going to it's going to come down to nut cutting time. And it's going to come down to a field goal or an extra point, and who wants it more? And you know, this might be this might be Dan Campbell's, you know, either ultimate opus, or he's going to have the biggest egg on his face. I mean, I'm scared to death about that. I, if if the Lions can get out to an early lead and hold them off, I'll I'll feel better. But if it's going to come down to the wire to the last two minutes and and game managing football. Whew, I'm picking the Lions because I'm a Lions fan. I've got my Homer pants on. But the Rams have every opportunity to upset the Lions, especially if the game comes down to a last-minute score. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of animosity, a lot of personal animosity in this game. Jared Goff oh thing that he did not forget the fact that he was traded uh, from, from uh, the, the Rams over to the Lions. <clears throat> Matt Stafford saying, you know what, and Matt Stafford's pissed off because, the, you know, fans were trying to execute a Matt Stafford jersey ban and all, all which, this, which is stupid. Uh, and, and all this other stuff. I mean, they, there's a lot of personal stuff going on here. And But at the end of the day, I, I really do think that the Rams, uh, the Rams are going to wind up taking this one. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, let's talk about the Steelers and the Bills. Look, Steelers make their way into this game <clears throat> without T.J. Watt at the, in that backfield. They back their way into the playoffs after beating a, a Ravens team without their starters playing. This is a no yeah. I think the Bills I got, got an easy one here as the two seed, and they're going to be playing in Buffalo in the cold. Um, and and uh, it's it's been the game has been kicked out to 4.30 tomorrow. Give me the Bills. So, uh, Boots' notes here. Uh, Mike Tomlin is my favorite coach. Dan Campbell is second. The weather has this game in a chokehold, even more so because it's been bumped to Monday. The run game is key, but at some point, you need your quarterback to make a play or two. I'll take Josh Allen in that scenario. Bills. And I agree with Boots 100%. Uh, Buffalo's favored by 10. It's, It's Buffalo. It's Bills Mafia. And you know what? I'm going to make another prediction. Uh, Joe Brady pulls his head out of his ass and realizes that Stefan Diggs is not an $18 million diversion. He's the number one receiver. And Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, in nut-cutting time, are going to you know put on a show and get and get this and set up the divisional round matchup and possibly go to the AFC title game. So give me the Bills. Yeah, the Bills uh, are are looking mighty strong lately. And last but not least, uh, the Eagles and the Bucks. Look, um, <laughs> this is this one's a fun one. Yeah, so I'm going to read Boots's notes here because I, uh, you mm. know, he says, "Who would have thought this?" 
I know I didn't. Up and down season for Philly, and they're down at the wrong time. The Philly defense isn't what it needs to be, but their QB is. Give me the Eagles. We fly high. Come, come! That's what he said. <laughs> very, very nice. Very <laughs> nice rendition. As for me, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to look over at the Bills. Or I'm sorry, at the Bucks rather. Uh, I see a Bucks team right now that that is uh, they're hot at the right time. The Eagles are not hot at the wrong time, right? Mm. Uh, Eagles lose five out of their last six. The Bucks are sitting here getting into the playoffs, division champions. I know it was a matchup against Carolina, but let's face the facts: the Carolina defense has been really good this year. You know, give me the Bucks against the Eagles in the upset. Bucks at home, and now that we know AJ Brown and Devon, AJ Brown's out. Devontae Smith is hurt. I know we want to put, and, and let's not forget, Jalen Hurts is hurt too, injured finger. Right? He didn't look good in, in, in the times when he played with that injured hand. Mm-mm. Give me the Bucks. Yep. Um, and I, I took the Buccaneers as well. And really, it's because, again, A.J. Brown's down and out. Red flag, red flag, red flag. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm mashing the panic button. Philadelphia is favored by three. They're only laying three. And, you know, it, it, honest to goodness, you know, the, it's because of the Eagles' defense. The Eagles' defense is, and, and Matt Patricia has stripped this team of any defensive credibility. So this kind of makes Tampa Bay the better defense at home. So yeah. g- give me the Bucks in an upset and and if and if the Eagles lose, I would not be surprised to hit the waiver wire and see that uh Nick Sirianni's gone. Yeah. You know, this is the this is the straw that breaks the camel's back and you know, you basically start 10 and 1 squeak into the playoffs and get eliminated in the wild card. What what an awful, awful end to a season if that's the case. Yeah, that would be terrible for him. And those are our predictions for uh, um, the wild card weekend. Super, super, super wild card weekend. Yep, that is our, our predictions. And uh, folks, that is our show. Before we get out of here, we got to give a few shout-outs. First and foremost to IYT. It's your time massage, IYTmassage.com. Amanda is a wonderful massage therapist, does excellent work. You can get Swedish deep tissue massage, Swedish and deep tissue massages. You can also get uh, – she does cupping as well as uh, she does – includes CBD oil in some of her massages if you prefer a little bit extra. So if you want some uh, CBD oil, you can get that. Um, check it out, IYTmassage.com. Also, you can check her out at It's Your Time Massage LLC on Facebook. And get yourself a massage. And remember, folks, it's, it's your, your time. Yeah. Also, a shout out to Face Kicked Apparel. Our, our boy, Sean Stockmeyer, his wonderful wife, Lisa, doing awesome work <clears throat> for all your custom shirts, hats, hoodies, pants. You name it, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. And you can get yourself some of the best high-quality uh, custom shirts out there with your own personal designs on them. He can do it. You pick it, he sticks it, brother. And uh, Alex. And and, uh, and, and as Boots would always say, get your face kicked in with savings. Yeah, that's what I want. Uh, Next up, Patch Miracle Photography. They do awesome, awesome stuff over there. The best photographer in the metro Detroit area, Andrew, and his wonderful wife, Chantel. Andy's a wonderful, wonderful uh, photographer. 
<clears throat> he does excellent work. He does uh, all of his pictures are very high quality. Uh, if you're looking for wedding photos, you're looking for maternity pictures. You're looking for graduation pictures. You're looking for baby pictures. You're looking for first birthday pictures. If you're looking to do that sexy boudoir shoot for that that special someone in your life, Patch Miracle Photography is the place to go. Check it out, PatchMiraclePhotography.com, the best photographer in the Metro Detroit area. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, next up, let's give a shout out to our boy at No Shot Bot TV, formerly known as No Bot. Shot. No Shot Bot, baby. Over there. Our and our, our buddy Will, he's a homeowner now. Yeah, hey, good for him. Yeah, I saw that. I, he's he's been posting all about it. I'm I'm excited for him, doing some uh, making some life moves. But <clears throat> he's also making some moves over here on on the Twitch streams and and the Facebooks and all that other stuff. And also on the, and the Tic Tacs, the Tic Tacs there. So uh, he's he's doing some good stuff on TikTok. If you got an opportunity, to check it out. No Shot Bot. You can check him out on the TikTok at No Shot Bot TV. Or you can check him out as No Shot Bot on Twitch. He is his streams are very entertaining, a lot of fun. He does some some you know non gaming stuff, and then he does some really fun gaming stuff. Uh, so I mean, check it out, No Shot Bot. And also, we got another streamer in the house. Steel Twins gaming going on. Alex, you and Andrew have been doing some fun stuff over there. What you got? Yep. So um, we've put our voice acting series on hold until we return from the Jericho cruise. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't have content lined up. And as a matter of fact, kids, this coming Wednesday, my brother and I are going to be doing some something really special. We're going to try to see if we can get Madden NFL 24 online. And uh, we're going to simulate a playoff matchup and be the game's commentators. So if you, if you want to see, if you want to see how Andrew and I would be uh, in a commentary booth as Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman or Gus Johnson and Joe Klatt, um, you know, come see us, you know, eight o'clock on, oh, actually uh, I take that back. We may be moving our streaming schedule to Monday nights as opposed to Wednesday as uh, uh, my brother's schedule is kind of shifted a little bit. Um, but you know, we're definitely looking to have some uh, good content coming, uh, in the near future, you know? So yeah, we're going to become, we're going to be doing that playoff pick that playoff game preview. I think it's going to be very fun. Yep. And I'm, I'm totally just sitting here waiting with bated breath for the Apollo justice series. Yes. Uh, I've been, been just foaming at the mouth with excitement. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting excited for the Apollo justice stuff that you guys are going to be doing. Um, and last but not least, let's talk about books. I Ate Cookies Out of the Trash by Tammy Pruitt. She's an excellent author. It's an inspirational guide written by her. Uh, and it's based on all of her real-life experiences dealing with her body image and eating issues. She shapes her book with her struggles and how to overcome them. And uh, all of his stuff is supported with research-based facts. And it's accompanied by her professional advice as a registered dietitian. She lets others know that they're not alone in struggling with self-love and body image and disordered eating. <clears throat> she's excellent. She's an, a tremendous writer. Uh, this book is is definitely a fantastic read. Everybody should give it a, give it a look over. And and she isn't your stereotypical health guru who runs seven miles a day and judges people for you know the kind of unhealthy food they consume. She's a friend that you never had. This book reads like a conversation, and she encourages you and motivates you to rise above those dilemmas that you may be facing. And, and she's a, a really special author and a really great person. Uh, we, I met her personally. I know her personally. She's excellent. Um, she actually got to sit down and have some of my tremendous brisket this past weekend. So I'm glad mm -hmm. she enjoyed that. 
But check it out. You can find the book on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Um, Got to go online for this book. Yeah, you can you can find it on all the dot-coms, hardcover or paperback. Um, you can find it at, at, on Amazon, though. That's the best place to find it. I Eat Cookies Out of the Trash. Check it out by Tammy Pruitt. And uh, that is all we've got for you guys this week. Uh, Alex, man, wildcard weekend. Super wildcard weekend is here. Um, with games it's are- playoff football, baby. Yep, the games get started here in about three hours, so we're going to be watching that. And, um, and tomorrow I'll be joining my uh, our, our good friend uh, for, and, and my, uh, my former cohort here, Tyler Dean. I'll be joining him for the uh, – for the pair of football games tomorrow. Originally, it was going to be all three games, but now it's just two games that I'll be joining him for. It'll be the, uh, um, let's see, the the Packers-Cowboys game and the Rams-Lions game. So we'll be watching those two games together uh, and, and uh, having some drinks. So that'll be a good time. So, folks, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and, uh, man, we'll see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. You're probably talking about us because we're the only thing to talk about. Ciao. That was really good. You you did <laughs> really well. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>